on episode 119 of Pixel Gaiden. We talk about six good food games. Cody reviews a modern centipede game. Would you punch a grandma for a video game? Eric plays a few new Steam games. Both Cody and Eric buy a new toy. What do spiders have to do with food? Do you get scared by video games? We both go off on a tangent or two and enjoy a few good beers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 119 of Pixel Guide In. My name is Cody Hoffman. I'm Eric Nelson. I'm having that food coma. I'm fat and sassy. <laughs> Eric is feeling fat and oh so sassy. Uh, Eric, are we in the right place? <laughs> we are in the right place if you want retro game news and uh <laughs> what, what did i we're not even news we're not doing news if you want re- to talk, talk about retro games if you want to talk about retro games if you want to talk about retro inspired games you are in the right place perfect i thought i'd send that hardball your way i can't talk <laughs> you crushed it don't worry <laughs> uh on episode 119 of pixel guide and we're going to start off with some quick questions of course we're going to hear cody's terrible patreon song where we thank all of our patrons for their support uh eric's take and what you're going to talk about i think your uh your steam deck and the first year that you enjoyed it yep catching up with the steam deck my first year how i use it on the show how it's helped me how i love it etc cetera, etc cetera. and then what am i going to talk about in cody's corner you are going to talk about Centipede uh, Recharged, right? For sure. I think that's its moniker, right? That is, so, that is a second in my second in my series of the Atari Recharged games that came out over the last couple of years. Um, really dig the idea that they are redoing the original games with some modern conveniences and changes, and uh, want to try to play through maybe all of them. I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but many of them. Yep. Uh, then Eric and I will simply catch up on what we've been doing in the world of retro. Unfortunately, no Tim this week. Uh, he will join us uh, for December's episodes. Uh, so it'll just be Eric and myself, although I think Tim left some notes for us. We'll see. And then last but not least, we have six good games that are food-related games that we're going to be talking about. Perfect. Uh, so let's jump right on in to some quick questions if you so feel inclined. Quick questions! Eric, what is our first quick question? I think it came from Mr. Josh Malone. Yep, so our first one is You've done it! Your yogurt baited trap has finally caught the evil gnome. We haven't seen the evil gnome in a while. It's good what? to see him. Evil gnome has appeared. Oh, uh, 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 uh. oh no. <laughs> it happens again. 
<laughs> yeah, it sounded like a valley girl gnome. <laughs> oh, no. He sounds like a certain uh, Amiga YouTuber that we might know. It's interesting. Exactly, exactly. But it's pleas for mercy have softened your trouserless hearts, and it strikes the following deal to secure its freedom. Aw, what happened to your pants? <laughs> <laughs> the evil gnome will gift you your holiest of holy grail systems. But in exchange, you must play one vintage, vintage game for 24 hours straight. What are you playing and what are you winning? Yogurt! Delicious yogurt. Mm, delicious yogurt. This is a deep cut for anyone who hasn't heard from the gnome. Realistically, that, that the, the gnome thing stopped like a year and a half ago. Yes, it did. So, uh, it pop, yeah. I mean, reference to it will pop up here and there. But yeah, I mean, I, we were, I was doing it like every month, and I, I thought <laughs> I was beating a dead horse with that joke. So You're beating some yogurt, Addison. Exactly. This gnome would steal pants from people for some reason. I don't know. Uh, yep. Not sure. I don't even remember where the yogurt came in. I don't think I want to remember. But the evil gnome, man, he put us in some predicaments. But maybe, maybe twenty twenty four will will introduce the new Pixel Guide T shirt that'll have the gnome on it. For Ooh, sale. that's not that a bad idea. Awesome. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. All right. So step one, we have step to figure one. out what the holy grail is that we're going to win. But we have to play a vintage game for twenty four hours straight, which I would definitely do for a holy grail system first and foremost. Abs- oh, no doubt. No doubt. So right now, and, and when he says vintage, uh, we have to we have to figure out what we mean by vintage, right? Um, I think for me, and I can see if you agree with this. For me, it's going to have to be something pre NES. Okay, which would I'd be, be down with that, like eighty six. So pre seventy eight hundred, pre NES. Um. I don't know. Is it, is that, does that work for you? Does that sound vintage? Yes. Yeah. So okay. I, I will follow those rules. So that, that sounds fine to me. Um, it's going to be tough though, because honestly, I mean, we, we've, we've been like, you know, Holy Grail's change and then I get it. And then a new Holy Grail comes up. I'm not sure if I've allocated a new Holy Grail system. Well, that's nice that you get to, uh, you yeah. get to follow through and, and meet your heroes and uh, and own them. Because yeah. it was Vectrex and then, I mean, my CD32, uh, the SX64, which you were kind enough. Yep, and I got my Neo Geo recently. That was kind of my, my holy grail for quite a while there. Yep. So, um, I mean, we be, we're patient, but we eventually do get our holy grail systems. So now what's what is the new holy grail system? I, I you don't know, know. We are we are blessed to be in a situation where we can't we think are. of what our holy grail is. So I, I fully acknowledge that and love that. Um Yep. I mean the systems I've been looking for, I would definitely not describe them as holy grail systems. Um but uh you know, I'm looking for a, a Sega C D would be on the list. Um I know I talk about that one a lot. Yep. The, I would like to get some of the Japanese systems. I'm looking for like a an SG-1000, like the original Master System, but the one in Japan. I want, yeah. I'd love to get something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
I mean, my biggest, the biggest thing that I would like right now, and I've had pinball machines in the past, but I don't own a pinball machine. Um, and of course, I mean, pinballs machines are another level price wise, but, uh, there's some, some really good ones that are, are somewhat reasonably priced. So there's one that I've been interested in for a while. Ripley's believe it or not. I've always really wanted that machine. Yeah. Uh, So I'm going to say Ripley's believe it or not pinball. Okay. That's a good, that's a good pick. And you, you made me think of something because I, I thought to myself, this would be an amazing thing to have. And then I just never thought it was a reality. But if this is going to be a holy grail yeah. thing where I can just sky's the limit, you know what I'm going to do? Do it. Ice cold beer. Oh, cool. I'm yeah, going to yeah. do the little vintage machine ice cold beer, which we covered a couple episodes, a few episodes back now. It's basically a machine where you move this metal bar and you try to drop the hole in the... It's like a vertical or a yeah vertical pinball esque type yeah, amusement amusement machine, yeah perfect perfect you're not going to um, go like Atari Falcon oh that oh that would be that would be amazing but was that that was post eighty six you put an eighty six limit on it no no the Holy Grail can be whatever you want the 80, oh, okay. the, 80, the 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 vintage game we're going to play for twenty four hours straight with was pre eighty six. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, Falcon would be nice, but I, I'm going to stick with ice cold beer. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And uh, so now one, the game. one vintage game. So 24 hours straight. 24 hours straight would be hard with many games. Pre 86. You know, part of me wants to just say food fight because we just had fun with it, but I would get burnt out on that pretty quick. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought about that, too. When we first said, I was like, why not? I could do Food Fight. You know what? I'm going to go with Eric because I've never played it. And if I had 24 hours to play it, yeah, it would work for me. I think I'm going to I'll put my first um, hypothetical effort into playing. Um, gosh, darn it. Now I can't think of the name of it, Eric. Oh, it's killing me. Ultima. Oh, that would be that would be. I'm awesome. going to dive into Ultima for 24 hours. I'm going to get lots of Mountain Dew to keep me awake. Some Funyuns. Uh, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some fantasy music to blast on the uh, on the on the uh, <laughs> Sansui speakers with the Pioneer glowing blue in the background. Ultima Four. Get some incense. Get some blacklight posters. I got my night yeah. planned with some Ultima. That's right. That sounds like a good one. Oh man, I just had one on the. I just had one in my mind. I was like, "Yep, this is the one I'm going to do." Now it. Now I've lost it. You blew it. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. One, I. You know how I've gone back and I've tried to beat games, but is this? Yeah, I think this is before '86. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to play the original Super Mario Bros. Okay. That was before 86, right? Uh, at least in Japan. Not in America. Yeah, I, I never... Think, but yeah, I, Japan. I still never beat that. My wife beats it all the time, or, or not all the time, but whenever she plays it, she can just beat it because she has that that uh, muscle memory. Um, so she, she beats it all the time. So I know it's not a hard game to beat, but I never have. And I think it's a game that has enough in it where I could play it for 24 hours. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm going to play the original Super Mario Bros. Cool. We start tomorrow. <laughs> um second question here mm-hmm. um oh we don't have any 
I don't have the I'll get you next time pixel guide in, so we'll just we'll just go with Aww, what happened to your pants? We're stuck here playing Ultima for twenty four hours, no pants. Uh Pajaco sixty five oh two gives us our second quick question. Have you ever been genuinely freaked out or scared by a video game? And I think we've covered this before, but well I'm sure we'll have different answers. Yeah. Uh he says he was playing the Eternal Darkness on the GameCube, uh, which I've heard cool things about. Back on my own at uh, at night in the dark, had to pause the game, get up, and turn the lights on one time. <laughs> oh man, do you want to answer this first, or do you want me to go for it? I don't. I, I I'm not trying to sound like a tough guy, but video games have never freaked me out or scared me. Um, it's just not something in it's not a chip i have in my brain i i yeah. don't i just don't get freaked out by them i've played zombie games i've played scary games i've played resident evils i've played i just don't get scared by them but i will say that i think the closest might have been i do remember like not getting freaked out at all or scared but like getting a little creeped out by doki doki literature club when i was doing that <laughs> hey, your hairs i wasn't will, scared your hairs anything, will stand I, up from time to time yeah i was just like Ugh, this is giving me like like that creepy feel yeah. you know what i mean yeah um but man i i kind of wish i would it would be something i would totally dig because i love watching scary movies like exorcist and stuff like that i love that but I just don't, I've never don't felt get that games. with a video game. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously older games, much less. So I've got the creepy vibe from music and stuff in older games. Um, I love creepy atmosphere, but I mm-hmm. am, I am prone to being, uh, you know, creeped out or scared, not, not creeped out, but actually scared by, by things, especially when it's dark and especially when there's jump scares. So the one that pops into my mind, and I think I've talked about it in the show before was, um, uh, Oh shoot! What's it called? The the sci-fi game, first-person shooter. Started it came out on PS3. Dead. Dead Rising. No, Dead Rising was fun. Um, Dead oh Space? man, Dead Space. Thank you. Yeah, which is like this aliens loose on this this ship, and you're kind of radioing into your the people on a different part of the ship, and they're trying to help you get things so you can help them, but. It's kind of like that whole alien, um, like the movie Alien vibe where you're on this ship and you're hearing little noises off in the distance and then all of a sudden something will jump out and attack you and you have to react to it really quick. So it's like a jump scare slash what's coming next slash I don't know what that sound is slash. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I definitely get that jump scare thing. Um, uh, And it's been a number of games. I can't even remember them all, but there's been multiple times I, I turned the lights on. Or just go, you know what, I'm going to play that when it's light out. I don't want to play that right now. <laughs> and I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll own up to it right now. So, there you go. Awesome. And then uh, uh, oh, a I quick question. Yeah. Talk about things being tense. Um, do you remember that game that was I played on the PS3, that one with, that was like Aliens? You were on the ship. Um, it was, In fact, wasn't it called Nostromo or... God, I don't remember the name, but you're literally on the ship in the Aliens universe and you're you're going around the ship and you're trying to avoid the aliens because you can't really fight them. So you're hiding under things and aliens isolation. Did you play that one? Uh, yes, that's it. Oh aliens yeah. That's isolation. supposed to be really very much in that vein of yes, yeah, noises and very, hearing things walk around and going like, shoot, is it going to find me? And yep. That was very tense. Cause I remember I had a headphones and I could hear little things and then you'll be hiding under like a, 
a surgical table and then like one walks by. Yeah. And then he kind of pauses uh, and his feet yeah. are like right there. And he like starts. To, so I, that one was very tense. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. I'll, I'll say that one. Alien isolation. Yeah, for sure. And I've heard of multiple people who, you know, like me would get creeped out at some of the newer resident evil games, certain parts yeah. of them. But mm-hmm. then they came out with, what was it, Resident Evil 7, I think, where they made a VR version of it. And so many people, like, try to play that in, like, 10 minutes in. They're just like, nope. <laughs> nope, not happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, that game that he mentions, that Pajako mentions, Eternal Darkness, we've talked about that on the show. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's, yeah, I, it's I've never played one, it, but it, it's got some cool tricks up its sleeve for sure. That's the one where like it starts to distort reality, right? Like, yeah. Like it actually starts messing with you in real life by doing weird like, things like with the system. The and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yep. good, good. So we remember the same thing there. Okay. So the uh, next question, David Cavallari asks... <laughs> most annoying couple right now, Taylor Travis or Jada Tupac and Will <laughs> Will Smith and Jada Pinkett. Uh, yeah, so I, I think. Go ahead. <laughs> no, please go ahead. Uh, it's got to be the Taylor Travis thing. I don't know what's currently happening with the whole Will Smith Jada Pinkett thing, so I can't even comment on that. Okay. Um, but the Taylor Swift Travis thing, with he's a football player on the Chiefs, so. I'm I'm sorry for anybody who doesn't think this. I could be wrong, but I'm very much don't think I am. Both my wife and I are are like annoyed to all to high heaven and back by this thing because mm-hmm. there is no way that this isn't a paid advertisement between the NFL and Taylor Swift to get more women watching football. There is no way that that is not <laughs> what is happening. No, seriously, like there are set things there's set events during football games where they will go to her right before she does some high five dance thing. There are there are things where he's coming into her ga- her her performances and doing things like this is not natural. This is not a normal relationship. It is clearly advertising spots, and I will not think otherwise. Uh, there's a lot of money going back and forth between this quote unquote relationship. That okay. um, it is a whole new way of advertising between a, a serious. It's not between uh, this Travis Kelsey guy and Taylor Swift. It's NFL and Taylor Swift is what this is. So there you go. You That's might my be totally right. I, I'm I'm you know I, I'm always interested. I don't believe a lot of conspiracy theories, but I, I, that one ha- that has a lot of sound sound foundation to it. I like, mean, it, I don't it, even think it's a conspiracy. It's not like it's some outlandish thing. It's like hey. Taylor, you well, have. Well, if it's not, if, like, if every NFL woman, has a direct yeah. contract with Taylor Swift and she doesn't come out and say it, then that is a conspiracy. Yeah, like, hey, uh, we got, <laughs> you got to pick a player. This guy's TV friendly. Yeah, you, you just pretend you're in a relationship and you get five million dollars every time you say his name and put him in. You know, it, yeah, there, there's no way I can't believe that. Yeah, I, I will say I am equally as um, disturbed by the whole Jada Tupac will. Thing, I don't know what that though, is. So, well, yeah, I don't want to go. You don't into need to. It, you don't need to. But I will say that, um, from what I know, and I could be totally talking out of my ass here because I don't know what I'm talking about. But I feel bad. I, how could their kids have ever grown up in a normal life? <laughs> uh, yeah, from what I do with know all, about the couple, I yeah, I agree with you there. 
with all the shenanigans going on and, and this person seeing that and they're not really together and blah, 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 blah. I, I, I just feel bad. I mean, yeah, the kids are rich and they'll never have to worry about a single thing or whatever, but also they didn't really have a normal mom and dad kind of nuclear family life. You know what I mean? And I just, it, that, that's what I see in that one. At least the Taylor Travis thing is hurting no one, just making a lot of people money. Yeah, no, that, I get you. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're all I, – I joked around in Discord when this question was asked, like, I'm going to have to look all these people up because I don't, I don't follow, like, pop culture at all. Like, I, I just don't – I'm cashed out. I don't follow it. But. Yeah, there's, there's a part of me that goes, I should find out what this is, and then I quickly go, nope, because I don't want to nope. know. There's really nope, no reason for me to know. I don't need to know. So yeah. there we go. Nonetheless, fun question, David Cavalier. Thank you. And <laughs> <laughs> um, we got one more from Pajaco. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and read this to you. It's Black Friday. You're in a department store, and some sweet old lady has just picked up the last insert cool retro gaming item here that you always wanted for her grandson, Billy. Do you offer her a small fee and offer to take it off her hands? Do you walk away sad but empty-handed? Or do you knock her to the ground like the scum she is and pry it from her withered old hands and run away laughing? I think we can both agree C is the correct answer. Correct. Um, I, I have uh, something similar to this. So if I'm being honest and I'll just be honest, Abe here, oh, yeah. um, I would walk away sad, but empty handed. Cause yeah. if someone got to it first and I just like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm moving on. Um, yeah, but yeah. I have done this and you, you might've heard something like this on Reddit or something, but this did happen to me once is that I remember a lady came in with, I think it was super Nintendo cartridges and tried to sell them at GameStop, and they were like, "We don't, we don't, we don't buy these things." Sorry. Oh, they did. Okay, yeah, you can leave. And so, like, I followed her out, and I was like, hey, and then, I and then beat her with you. a bag of oranges. Exactly, yes. beat her. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but I told her, I said, "Hey, I will give you, you know, twenty bucks for this box right now if you want to sell it." And she did, and I. That's how I got some of the. That's Super cool. Nintendo carts that I got. So that's the closest to anything like that. I don't know. That's done, I, that's actually a cool story because she got what she wanted. I yep. I had an opportunity, and I'm always very respectful of brick and mortars, especially because they're struggling as hard as they are when it comes to retro games. But yeah, yes. I, I think I mentioned this on the show, but somebody came in, this would have been a couple of years ago now, but to a, a store in Stockton that I was perusing. It's actually where I got my Vectrix for a great deal. And they had all six of the NES Mega Man games, all three of the Super Nintendo Mega Man games, and like a couple other ones. And I heard the store offer them, and it's been a few years at this point, and the store's not around anymore, so I don't have a problem saying it, but offered them 200 bucks for all of them. Uh, and they took it. Yeah. And they said, okay, okay, great. And there's a part of me that had to hold it back, because I'm like, dude, I'll give you 400 right now. Like, <laughs> but... Obviously, respecting the store, you know, it would probably have been different if it was like a GameStop or something. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have felt exactly. bad about it, but it was a you know locally owned store, so obviously they have to make their money and they have to buy games to do it. But yeah, that was probably eight hundred dollars of games right there, if not more. Um, at that time, they've only gone up. So, anyways, uh, cool. Yeah, that's it for quick questions. Uh, Eric, I want to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, Retro Rewind ca the ca yes. does mean canada but doesn't mean they're not going to give you great deals on uh, items and shipping back to the u.s very very reasonable 
is a reason that we support them. It's a reason that we're customers before we supported them. Um, Canada is good for us because that means they're on the same continent, which makes fast shipping. Although I've heard from our friends over the pond that they ship fast wherever you are in the, in the world. So if you order from them, you're going to get it pretty quick. Very, very true. And so uh, they've got everything you're ever going to want for your Commodore computers, whether it's your 64, your Commodore 128, a 16, a plus four, a VIC-20, or even any of your Amiga computers, uh, including everything from diagnostics to various hardware upgrades like the Amiga accelerators they sell. Uh, But Eric, they also delve into the Tandy Color Computer line of computers, which uh, you and I are fans of. You've introduced me to them. Absolutely. Fun systems. So if you are a big Commodore fan and you've already got a few of these systems and you're thinking, what next? You know, what's my next holy grail, if you will, Eric? Yes. Consider a a Tandy Color Computer 2 or 3. Those would be my suggestions. Um, And once you get your Tandy Color Computer, you're going to want to put new cap you know, capacitors in it to make sure that it has a long life. Uh, or if your Commodores need capacitors, please go to Retro Rewind, buy those. Maybe you want to have it recapped by Retro Rewind for a very reasonable fee. Uh, you can very have reasonable. it, send it to Retro Rewind and Frank and the team will get it recapped for you and send it back. Uh, but you might as well add a few gimmies and the, into the, uh, into the sale with you. Uh, so for example, with your Tandy color computer, you can get the Coco SDC, which is your, uh, SD solution for the color computer. You it's put a must a, have, must have if you have a Coco. Absolutely. And, uh, you, you throw a little SD card in with all the games and, and programs and stuff you want on your Coco, shove it in the back, and Bob's your uncle. Uh, you're playing all your software on the color computer. Super cool. And uh, what I really like about all the cartridges and stuff that uh, they produce at Retro Rewind, really quality cartridges. These aren't uh, chintzy 3D printed things. These are solid. Uh, they look like new cartridges back in the day with really nice labels. Um, really solid build and really reasonable price wise. So, uh, make sure you hop on down to retrorewind.ca and take a look at what they've got there. And Eric, when you check out as an exclusive member of our show here, and by member, I mean, you listen to it once or more, (laughs) you can use code PG10 at checkout. That's P as in pixel G as in guide N 10 to save 10% off your already low, low prices at retrorewind.ca. Yep. Make sure you log in first, put in PG-10, boom, 10% off. You're good to go. And be speaking of Holy Grail machines, I got the CD32. And first thing I did with it, Cody, mm-hmm. you know what I did? First I, thing I, I did. I don't. What? I sent it to Frank at RetroRewind.ca to recap for me because I didn't want to screw it up because it was a Holy Grail system for me. Um, sent it to him. Boom. Cap job. Sent back super fast i mean i i I was very impressed with uh how fast he did the work the quality of the work and and he shipped it back and it was extremely reasonably priced so very happy with that so thank you one last time to our show sponsor retrorewind.ca hey there it's tim and I've got all the information you need about the Pixel Guiden podcast. If you didn't know already, you can find the show Podbean site by visiting pixelguiden.com from your browser of choice. And while you're on your browser, why not check out our podcast feed on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network? You can find it at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. 
Have you got any questions? Has something we've said driven you crazy enough to want to call us out? Or you just want to say hi? We love getting your feedback. So here are the ways you can contact us. You can reach us on the show Twitter account, which is at pixel underscore guide N. You can email us and our address is podcast at pixelguiden.com. And if you want to reach us directly, that's Cody, Eric or Tim, the best way to get us is through our Discord channel on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. You can get there by becoming a patron of our show at $3 or more, and we will get you a link to join the fun. If you want to reach Cody, Eric or Tim directly, you can get us on the following platforms. You can reach Cody on Twitter or X, and that's at oddball49, that's oddba one one four nine. Eric is also on Twitter and on Mastodon, and you can get Eric on Twitter at the project. That's D U H P R O J E C T, and at Mastodon is at the project at oldbytes.space. And Tim is on Mastodon at Sanxion, that's at S A N X I O N, at oldbytes.space. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you'd give us a review and also for any of the other podcast catches that you may use. Here on Pixel Guide N, we like to announce every patron subscriber that subscribes at a $3 or more level by using our random adjective generator and a little bit of song. The absent-minded Dave Modelac Intelligible Scott Harlow It's a 
one of their names The well-built Ram Okay, Ram Okay Man-made Brian Arsenal Crumply David Cavalry And the reddish Adam From Commodore Chronicles This next guy is not a sheep But he is the woolen Mark Richardson One last time we want to thank All of the pixel-guided Patreon. November 2023. And this is Eric's Take. I am your host, Eric Nelson. And this month, I'm going to talk about the Steam Deck. Now, I've already done uh, Eric's Takes on the Steam Deck before, but this is kind of catching up with the Steam Deck lately, how I've been using it, um, how I've been enjoying it, maybe a couple of the downsides. I figured now is a good time to talk about it, seeing as this month, November, you will be able to purchase a new Steam Deck. Now, it's not the Steam Deck 2, but it is called the Steam Deck OLED. And that kind of buries the lead with this, right? Because its primary new feature is a very bright and beautiful OLED screen, slightly bigger than the other one. I think it's 7.4 inches instead of 7. Um, comes with some other things, and we're going to be talking about this on the news in November. I know we have an article planned to discuss this, so... I'm not going to by any means go into a comprehensive overview of what's going to be on the Steam Deck OLED. But basically, it's the OLED. The Because the OLED is thinner, it's going to have a larger battery. And from some research that I've done, it's a substantial battery increase, meaning that there can be, because the OLED takes less juice, um, the battery might actually be up to an hour longer, which is phenomenal. And then another small difference in this is that instead of the radio sharing Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, they are in separate radios now, and the Wi-Fi chip now supports Wi-Fi 6. So you might get faster downloads if your router at home supports that. Um, but really what I want to focus on is how I use my current Steam Deck, which I don't think that I will be in a rush to upgrade mine to the new one. I am very happy with mine. I don't think I've ever run out of batteries on mine. I don't game for that long. Uh, I just don't game for the, you know, I'm not like I was when I was a kid where I would game for four or five straight hours. I, I very rarely game for more than an hour or two. And then I'm happy to just put it on the charger, go do something else, come back to it. So I, I, I just don't, 
it's just not not something that I really need to rush into to spend another five hundred, six hundred dollars on upgrading it. Well, uh, and from what I understand from Valve, they are saying that uh, the Steam Deck Two uh, is coming down the road, but the Steam Deck Two they're going to wait until some new technology comes out that's going to make it uh, worthwhile for them to actually come out with a whole new model. So it could be two, three years away. No one knows. Uh, but in the meantime, you have this OLED upgrade, kind of like what Nintendo did. Uh, they kind of took that path with the Switch. They didn't come out with the Switch 2. They came out with the OLED Switch, and it sold pretty well, and people seem to be happy with it. So it seems like just just the way people are going. Um, I've never had a complaint about the screen on my Steam Deck at all. It's bright. It works well. Um, oh, another thing that I've heard is that the new one won't heat up as badly because the OLED doesn't take as much juice, so there's not a, as much energy pumping through that Steam Deck, so it doesn't heat up as much. I will say mine does heat up quite a bit. It's never been a problem. It's never crashed because of the heat or anything like that, but you do notice that it does heat up and the fans uh, basically, you know, are running a lot, a lot if you're running a game that, you know, uses a lot of horsepower that those fans are going to kick up. So just to give you a little background on my switch history is I reserved one in June on June 30th in 2022 and I purchased it. Uh, basically, when I when I reserved it, you couldn't just go buy a Steam Deck. They weren't available. You had to get on a wait list, and I did. And I waited, and then finally I got the go-ahead on September 19th um, to – basically, they give you 48 hours to pull the trigger on it. They're like, hey, you know, you're ready. You're in line, and you're ready. You need to buy it within 48 hours, and I did. And I received it in October. Um, and I've been tinkering with that thing ever since. And uh, frankly, it became, it quickly became my number one modern console. Like I play everything on my steam deck these days. Uh, the kind of the switch that I have, uh, kind of took the back burner. I still have played a game here and there, but before that, the switch was my primary console. I mean, I, I, I'm just not buying modern gaming systems like the PS5 or the uh, Xbox Series X or S. I just, I haven't jumped into those because honestly, with with a couple of rare exceptions, there isn't a game on those systems uh, like a AAA title that I'm really interested in. And it's kind of a sad state of affairs and I've I've kind of had to look within myself. Am I just getting older and those games don't appeal to me or do they just not offer games that are, are must haves anymore? I, I'm, I, I don't know the answer to that, but it's something I need to think about. Uh, but for now, my steam deck is my number one game. And mainly um, I've only purchased a couple of AAA titles like Baldur's gate Um and maybe a couple other ones, but mainly it's the indie scene and they're mainly retro inspired games because I do love the aesthetics and the gameplay of kind of retro inspired games. And we get to talk about them on the show. So it's a win-win. It's something that I can play and then talk about on the show. So those are like my favorite genre and they play perfectly on the steam deck. And if there's a choice between buying a game on the switch or the steam deck, I go steam deck because the screen is bigger. Um, and 
sometimes it's even cheaper. So I, I've been, it's really a no brainer. The steam deck has taken over. Uh, it's comfortable to hold the controls and all that. And again, I've done a show on the steam deck before, um, and Eric's taken, I've talked about it a lot. I, and I don't need to repeat what I've said, but I love the steam deck. Um, I, I probably will upgrade to a steam deck too. If that ever comes out, I think it's the way moving forward. Um, for gaming, for me at least, my life is spent a lot on the road, whether for work or for family obligations. Uh, and taking the Steam Deck with me uh, is very handy. But really, the point of this show is to talk about how it helps me with the show and what, how I play it to review retro and retro-inspired games, so even retro. And the first thing I want to talk about is a feature of the Steam Deck. Now, the Steam Deck has an SD card slot in it. So it doesn't matter what kind of internal memory you have on the Steam Deck, you can add an SD card and increase your storage space. That's what it's there for. So there are two ways to use that SD card. You can simply put in an SD card and it becomes extra storage. And that, I think, is what most people that have a steam deck do they pop in a terabyte card or a five or a half a terabyte card and or 256 gig or whatever and they pop it in there and boom you've increased your storage area okay and that's the way i think most people do i have an sd card that i pop in there to double uh my internal storage and then i pick and choose which when you install a game on steam you can pick and choose which um you can pick and choose which game, where that game is going to be installed. But one of the very cool features of the Steam Deck is that you can swap out the SD card. So you can just pop it in, pop another one in, save games on that, pop it out, pop it in, save another game. So that's one way to use the SD card slot. The second way, which I think fewer people know about, but it's no secret, you can find it all over the place. Um, you can install something on that SD card and actually boot into it. And what that means is that you can take an image off of the internet or create your own from scratch with its own operating system and put the SD card in. And then the trick is you hold the volume down button and then you press the power button to boot up and it presents you with a menu. And that menu says, hey, do you want to boot off of the internal SD card or do you want to boot off of the SD uh, or the I'm sorry, did I get that right? Um, <laughs> it asks you, do you want to boot off the internal storage or do you want to boot off the SD card? You pick the SD card and if you have an SD card in there with an bootable image, then it will boot whatever's on that SD card. So that's kind of the trick to running other operating systems, other versions of Linux, Windows, whatever you're trying to boot. You can boot off of that second operating system and bypass Steam OS altogether. That is very powerful because it gives you a clean slate without the Steam OS overhead to run whatever you want. And I've tinkered with several uh, images, what some I've created myself, like Emu Deck, and then other ones I've created basically just downloaded images off of the internet that are already populated with ROMs. 
and games and they're cataloged and all the graphics are updated, very slick interfaces. Two of the main ones that I've used in that way um, is Batocera, and then the other one is CoinOps. Uh, CoinOps is very good for arcade games, and I have an SD card set. I think it's it's a I think it's a smaller one, 128 gig image with just very popular arcade games in there. And then the other one is Batocera, and that's my main one that I use because it is on a terabyte SD card, a full terabyte. And I covered this on a previous episode, so I'm not going to go into it too much, but it was a huge hassle for me to download this one terabyte image. It took forever. Um, And it used up, I have an internet connection that actually meters how much data you use. Uh, Usually it's not a problem. We'd never go over the limit, but we did go over the limit this one month because of this giant image. Uh, But anyway, it was worth it. This image was Batocera. Uh, I burned it to a one terabyte dry uh, SD card, which, by the way, those aren't, at least when I bought it, it wasn't super cheap. It was pretty expensive. Uh, the prices come way down on those now, though. I burned it on there, and I got to tell you, I love this thing. Um, I have it in my hand right now. It basically presents you with this screen, very graphical, very beautiful there is a wheel a wheel on the right side with the names of all the systems and i'm i'm looking at mine right now it's lynx wonderswan amiga commodore 64 intellivision turbo graphics everything i mean everything you can think of including some systems that are um pretty robust like gamecube dreamcast uh the nintendo ds 3ds wii wii u Nintendo Switch even, um, it it goes on and on. I mean, this thing has almost every system, arcade or console, or otherwise, even computers that you might want to play. And then when you click on the A button on any of the systems, it drops into a then list of the ROMs. Now, for 8 and 16-bit libraries, these are complete library sets, um, complete, like every game you can imagine. As you get into 32-bit um, and beyond, uh, where the images are much larger, like for PlayStation, PlayStation 2, they basically are the best of on those systems. They threw the best games on there, but because there's no way they're going to fit every game. I mean, if you tried to put every PlayStation 2 game on there, you just would run out of space but they do leave enough room on that image where you can just pop that in your computer and copy the ISO image over to it and then index it and it will find those games and add them to the menus. Uh, So that is amazing. So Batasera, and then of course, in these images, they're curated. All the ROMs are curated, all the graphics are updated and they map all the controls on your Steam Deck to the proper controls on that console or computer or whatever. So it's basically an all-in-one solution, all done for you. Very nice. I use that Batocera thing. So basically, when I'm working on uh, my stuff for the show, uh, my workflow is that I always use real hardware if I have it and if I have the game. So like, as an example, we're covering a game called Diner on the Intellivision the Intellivision, I happen to have an Intellivision. And I I happen to also just recently got a 
a a cartridge for it that is a multi-cart so I can load up any of the games because Diner's not an easy game to find. I am able to throw the ROM on there and play it on original and on the original television. And the reason I do that and I don't immediately jump into emulators is because I really feel these games were, uh, I mean, I don't feel this way. It's true. The games were designed on original hardware with original controllers. And that's the key. I want to get the feel of the game on original controllers as much as I can. Uh, And then once I get a good feel for the game and how it works, then I can continue my research while on the road or at home or whatever, using my steam deck or my mister. I use my mister a lot because I've, I've gotten into using original controllers on there um, uh, using there. There's different systems that you can on the Mr. Use to have low latency original controllers that plug into that. But anyway, uh, once I get the real feel for the game and I play it for a couple hours, then I move to, I don't mind moving to emulators. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I stick on the original hardware. It just depends. Uh, But because I'm on the road a lot and I'm traveling and doing things for family and work, it's just easier to use the Steam Deck. And the Steam Deck allows save states. It allows um, certain things that just make research for the show easier. But Batocera, by far, the Batocera image on the Internet, and if you Google it, you'll find it. It's, It's about a terabyte, though, very hard. Now, what if you don't want to download that huge image or buy the SD card? What can you do? Well, you... I've noticed that on Etsy and Tindy and sometimes even on eBay, you can go on there and get the SD card already all done for you. And you pay a little more for that. But what I've noticed is not much more because I think when I bought my SD card, it was nearly $100. Uh, It might have been around $80 or $100. I don't remember. It's been a while now. But the cost of that SD card is expensive, and then somebody will charge an extra 20 or 30 bucks to take that image burden on there for you and send it to you. That, to me, is worth it if you're putting your own internet connection in jeopardy, or you just don't feel comfortable downloading something like that, or you're unfamiliar with burning, you know, you could spend two days like I did downloading that image, and then the image might be corrupted and not work. Uh, that I had that fear when I downloaded mine. I was very nervous that something might have gone wrong in the transfer and it's corrupted. What do you do then? You got to do. You got to download it all over again. Uh, so I don't shame anybody at all who just wants to go online, find someone who's kind enough to put it on an SD card and make a little money off of it. I'm all for that. So that's. One way. So basically, one other cool thing I wanted to tell you about, and I found this on Etsy and Tindy. There's some on on both of those. You will find people that have 3D printed SD card holders. And the coolest thing is these these particular ones have adhesive on the back and will stick inside of the Steam Deck case. Your Steam Deck comes with this case and there's a little bump in it. Um behind the the Steam Deck when you put it in the case and that thing fits perfectly into this little indentation and you can store SD cards in there. I have about five of them in there right now that I can just pull it out, never worry about losing my SD cards. They're all in there ready to go. Pull them out, use them. It, when I'm on the road, it is just a magnificent thing. I love that little 3D printed SD holder for the Steam Deck. That is fantastic. Um, another thing, of course, and I've talked about this on the show, is Pico 8, 
which we talk a lot about on the show because I love it. It is basically a um, gaming retro, very retro inspired gaming platform. Um, very low resolution, but the games are very creative. A um, lot of people are just giving away these games for free. And even if you have to buy them, they're like two bucks, three bucks. Um, Pico 8 runs perfectly on the Steam Deck and even has the wi- shares the Wi-Fi connection. So you can go to the built-in uh, gaming uh, online catalog called Splore and you can just go right in there. So all these retro platforms plus Pico 8. And then, of course, the Steam Deck itself with Steam OS. There are constantly retro games coming out. Cody, in fact, is covering the Atari reimagined games, the reimagined Atari games that um, are games kind of like some are coming to mind, like Centipede or whatever, that have new game features. It's a whole new type of game based around Centipede, but on a modern console. And you can get all those on Steam Deck and play them on Steam Deck. So even on Steam OS, without using Batacera or CoinOps or whatever, you can play a lot of retro or retro-inspired games straight from your Steam library. So even if you aren't interested in AAA titles or even modern indie games, there are a ton of reimagined, repurposed um, retro games that you can download. There are even like little packs of retro games. There are all sorts of stuff that you can just legitimately buy and download. Um, the The thing about the Switch is that it has that. It has that to a degree. It has all the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, even Game Boy games are coming out now, um, all built into that little online store that is built in if you if you buy, if you get the online pass for Nintendo Switch, you get all that stuff, which is cool. That is awesome. But it's Nintendo-centric, of course. It is all Nintendo. So it's great, but you're stuck in Nintendo. With the Steam Deck, there are storefronts, mini storefronts kind of like that, but for games like Atari or ColecoVision or whatever, that you can just download the app from the Steam store and then play all those cool games, no matter the uh, vendor. So those are kind of worth doing. And then you could always dip into Batacera or Emu Deck or something if you want to dip into Nintendo or some other brand. So it really is like the Steam Deck is kind of like this Swiss army knife of gaming. Like you can play modern games, retro games, retro inspired games, indie games, you can boot different operating systems. You could boot into Windows if you wanted to. It really is just one of the most versatile gaming platforms or devices that I've had in my life. And I've been really enjoying it. I use my Steam Deck almost every day. Uh, it, it To me, it's definitely worth the money. So, so that's it. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And um, have a great Thanksgiving if this is... If this is aired before that, I don't know when this is actually going to come out. Have a great Thanksgiving and uh, happy holidays coming up. Cody Corner. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cody's Corner for November 2023. Um, This month, I'm going to continue on my reviews of the uh, somewhat new releases of the Atari Recharged line of games that are out on all the modern systems and, of course, Steam on the PC, things like that. Um, I actually 
got a bunch of these games on sale recently. I've been wanting to try them for quite a while, and so normally they are $9.99 full-priced, and uh, I was able to get them about half off on my Switch. So the uh, first game, if you didn't catch it, I covered last month, and that was the Yars Revenge uh, game that they redid called Yars Recharged. And of course, these are old classic titles kind of spruced up, uh, polished up, and re-released in a kind of a whole new um, modern sensibility, keeping their classic roots. Uh, so Yars was a game that I have some experience with. I wanted to start there. Uh, but this month, I'm actually going to hop on over to a uh, another classic title that many people know from the arcades and the Atari systems as well, and that is Centipede Recharged. Um, will Centipede live up to the high, high rating I gave Yars Recharged last month? Um, we will have to find out now, won't we? Uh, Centipede Recharged uh, is very much like the original game, uh, very much in the same vein, and with some polishes, some changes. Um, if you haven't played the original game, I doubt very many of you haven't, but really quick, I'll just kind of describe it. It is a shooter. You're at the bottom of the screen, um, and you are a, well, depending on what version of the game you are, you are a, a dot or small figure at the bottom of the screen shooting up uh, towards the top of the screen. I believe you're actually supposed to be like a wizard casting spells. I don't know. That's what the, the, the art on the cover showed. Uh, but what was unique about this game is you were shooting missiles up the screen, and you can only do one at a time. This is key to the gameplay, so that if your missile was going all the way across the screen, it would take a while to get across before you can shoot another one. But if you hit something, an enemy or one of the many mushrooms scattered throughout the screen, uh, then your second shot would take off right away. So part of the strategy is really utilizing um, what you're hitting to make sure you get lots of shots off at strategic points of the gameplay. Um, there are a couple of main enemies on the original centipede, main one being the centipedes, um, which are multi-segmented uh, centipedes that come down the screen, I don't know, about 10, 12 circles long. And... Um, as you shoot these sections, those sections become a mushroom. They, like, die and grow fungus very quickly. And uh, it makes for a really unique gameplay in that these mushrooms are all over the screen, and they take, like, three hits to break down a mushroom until it's gone. Um, so as a kid, I just thought you wanted to shoot everything. I tried to kill all the mushrooms. And in certain aspects, that helps you. In other aspects, it leaves it so wide open, it's hard to shoot anything. Uh, but what's unique, if you hit the center of a centipede somewhere, it'll break into two. The, the remaining segments will become two continuations of, of two centipedes now, much smaller, uh, until you can shoot every single segment. Um, so these things are coming down the screen. Of course, if they hit a mushroom, they'll bounce off of that, go down to the next level, and turn the other direction and go back. So they're kind of uh, traversing the screen back and forth as they go down. Uh, your character can actually go up to about a quarter of the screen, allowing uh, you to go over centipedes if they get low enough on the screen. And you kind of have to be aware of where all the enemies are. Enemies, uh, enemies are at all times. Uh, these little spiders will pop out at the bottom of the screen. And uh, there's a few other enemies that, that come down, fleas and things like that. Uh, and But it's really just a high score game. The original arcade, of course, had a rollerball uh, to help you control and uh, I, I just the one button to fire. Pretty simple. Um, 
What did Centipede Recharge do? Well, first of all, it's all neon and cool looking. I definitely love the aesthetic of the game. Um, what else I can say about the the new version of the game is, it, again, it's very much the original Centipede. Um, I, I would say this kind of feels less overhauled than Yars Revenge or Yars Recharged did. Uh, this game is... It's basically the same game. It's Centipede, but where you can upgrade your weapons. So when the spiders come down on the bottom of the screen, they move around in a certain way, you can shoot them, and they'll leave behind some sort of a temporary upgrade. Uh, as you get this upgrade, there's a little timer in the in the form of a border, a little line that goes around the border. When that line completely dissolves or runs out, almost like a fuse, then your t- your power-up will go away and you'll go back to a single shot again. Uh, the power-ups are unique in that there's like a spread shot. There's um, a shot that kind of has a trailer. So when you shoot up the screen, it leaves a trail. So it, uh, as, if things are walk into the trail, they'll get hit by it. Um, there is like a machine gun shot that shoots a lot faster. Uh, there's a, a unique one that I really actually have a trouble using, don't enjoy a terrible amount, that shoots both up and to the left and right directly at all times. But you still have to have your vertical shot hit a lot of things to repeat your side shots. The side shots don't help you repeat shots as quickly, if that makes sense. Some other uh, changes in the gameplay that I'm just kind of uh, thinking of as I as I watch some video of it here. Uh, there are these scorpions that walk vertically across the screen uh, towards the top, um, which are interesting. And... That's, I mean, that's really about it as far as the gameplay itself. I will say that visually and uh, and the audio of the game, again, the audio is kind of this, it's, it's modern and it's kind of generic uh, bumping the soundtrack. It's not amazing. It repeats a lot, does get old pretty fast. I actually much prefer the Yars Revenge or Yars Return Recharged uh, soundtrack. Um, this game has a very 80s, kind of wireframe, almost vector um, aesthetic to it. So it's almost like you're playing on a Vectrix or orig- one of the original uh, vector games like Star Wars or Ast- excuse me, Asteroids. Um, but it's cool because the lines are, are colored. So like the mushroom has a little outlined red cap with a white uh, stem and uh, the centipedes are kind of a blue uh, it, it's a cool vibe, and, and there's explosions and particle effects that kind of make the visual uh, look of the game uh, more intense. Um, ooh, gameplay change. There are bombs in this game from time to time, and these bombs, uh, you might have like a, a line of them or a box of them. When you hit them, they all blow up, and you can kill multiple enemies at once when you hit those bombs. That's pretty neat. Um, and And the... They also have missions. Uh, it's kind of to add gameplay because your base gameplay is just how how far how high of a score can you get. That's essentially the the extent of it. Whereas with Yars Recharge, there was multiple levels. You played through levels, which is more appealing to me. I've always been a level completionist kind of guy. I want to try to beat the game, not just get a high score. This is definitely a score chaser, like the original Centipede. But there's missions you can do, uh, just like. In, in the other recharge games, there's there's missions you can try to complete. To be upfront, the missions 
aren't exciting in this. There's a lot of them, um, but they're really simple. Like, hey, hit the score. Okay, boom. Like 30 seconds later, you beat it. Uh, kill this many enemies. Okay. It doesn't change the gameplay at all. It really is just, here's a level, play it until you get the goal, but you don't necessarily have to try to get the goal. You just play the game. And they're really easy. You're going to burn right through these. And, uh, I mean, I probably beat 20 of the, I don't know, 30 missions my first sitting after spending like a half hour on it, maybe an hour on it. Um, yeah. Uh, there's... So what's the gameplay? You know, I've, I've told you the gameplay, but what what does it feel? How is the actual gameplay? Uh, I think this game could have been much better. The main thing that I struggle with it is a couple things. First of all, I played it on the Switch, so maybe other versions of the game will be a little different. Uh, you, you, I, I believe you're forced to use the little uh, analog stick. I really would prefer to use the D-pad. Uh, but even if you are able to use the D-pad on other versions of the game, the main issue is that there is this float kind of feeling. So when you're moving your character left, when you let go, it kind of slowly, you know, like momentum slowly floats to a stop. So when you're trying to do Twitch gameplay and hit these tiny little mushrooms and tiny little things, it is difficult. You just kind of, it feels sloppy. Um... I don't know if there's anything much else to say about the game. I, I like the vibe. Uh, I like that they paid $5 for it. I do not believe this game is worth $9.99. Uh, Yars Recharged, I, I fully felt I was. I don't have any guilt paying $10 for that game. This game, even paying $4.99 still, I don't know if I would do it again, to be honest. I don't think I recommend this game. Um, it's simple. It is not it doesn't have a ton of replay value and um i don't know i I just did not gel with it ultimately uh cool vibe i understand they definitely wanted to put a centipede game into one of these atari classics collections even if they are are all recharged versions of the game but i would love to see this have tighter gameplay i'd love to see the missions be more integral to um have the gameplay of each mission be more integral to what the goal of the mission is to have them mean more. Um, and yeah, ultimately I just, I like to, to be fair, I've never terribly enjoyed the original centipede. So I might be quite a bit biased on this one. Um, because if you love that gameplay, maybe you will still love this gameplay as well. But for me, it did not hit home, uh, out of a hundred points, I'm going to give centipede recharged, a 62. I feel like that's about right. Um, so unfortunately, that's kind of solid. Um, what is that? D minus category. Uh, but that being said, I they like enough about what they try to do with this one. By the way, this was their first release. This came out in August 2021. That was their first recharge release. Uh, after this, they did Black Widow recharged which maybe is the one I will recover on the next month episode of Pixel Guide In. Uh, but for now, there you go. I'd love to hear if you've played it, what your thoughts are. But otherwise, I will see everybody next month. And we're back. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about errata and feedback. We didn't get 
a lot of feedback, but I did want to mention something I got wrong in October episodes. Yeah, we haven't done um, a rod in a while. Yeah, yeah, and this We're one was so good, was, so perfect. Yeah, yeah, and luckily this wasn't about the content of our show, but I was talking about um, a show from the Amigos Network. A little trivia about me is that I um, I don't believe in anything paranormal or supernatural, mainly because I've just never seen it myself. Like, but I keep an open mind about it. But I do love shows about it, and I'll watch. There's a couple of YouTube channels that I watch, like uh, Slapped Ham. Have you ever heard of Slapped Ham? Slapped Ham sounds hilarious, but no, I have not. <laughs> it does sound hilarious, but it's about like pair like ghost people like have their ghost footage and stuff Why like that. Why is it called Slapped Ham? <laughs> I have no idea, but it's great. You should check it out. It is a great. Okay. It's a great okay. channel. Um, and then there's another one called The Y Files, which I highly recommend for anybody. They, they, they talk about conspiracies. Um, you're more of a, you're not a fan of paranormal itself. More you're a fan of people who enjoy paranormal. <laughs> yeah. So the way I explain it is, I'm 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 very entertained by it, but yep. I don't believe it myself. But I keep an open I gotcha. mind. If I ever I saw gotcha. it, I would totally believe it. But I am very entertained by it, and I love that. Some of the my favorite stuff is watching that stuff. Um, and but anyway, Amigo Aaron has a show with Flack every year, at least. He's two years in a row. He's done it with Flack. I think the year before that he did it himself, but um, he has a show called conversations from the dark side. And I mentioned it in you our did. October I episodes. Uh, I mentioned it in our, in our October episode, but I called it um, tales of the dark side, which was a TV show. Yep. Okay. I remember that, that now. And I think I was just stuck in my head, tales from the dark side or of the dark side. And, the show is called Conversations from the Dark Side, and it's a great show. They just talk with all their buddies about paranormal stuff, or they talk about horror movies or uh, whatever, and I love it. I love it. I wish they would do that every month, like an hour-long show every month, but it only well, comes around on Halloween, so if you get a chance, go listen to it. It's great. Well, it's I, I don't believe in much paranormal, but I'm a firm b- believer in, their, in that there's actual killer clowns from outer space. Oh, that's what have. That's- who have balloon yeah. animal dogs and popcorn guns and capture people yes. to cocoon them in cotton candy to drink their blood. Well, so. yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, I mean, I if, believe in that. if the science fits. Yeah, that's not supernatural. That's just that's that's just natural. That's in the natural that's just world. Super natural. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Eric, it's time for beer. And this one I provided. Yes, I'm ready. And I will be completely honest with you. I know nothing about this beer. In fact, it's not even a type of beer I typically like. But what I do like about it is it's called Operation Beaver Drop. <laughs> <laughs> Operation Beaver Drop by Belching Beaver Brewery, which we've had their beers before on the show. Yep, yep. I believe they're out of uh, is Portland or yep, Oceanside, California, actually. I'm sorry, not Portland at all. But there you go, Oceanside, California. It's a... Nice looking white tall boy can, and apparently it's a lemon wheat ale. Uh, yeah, lemon wheat ale, and it's got a really cool picture of a beaver in an army uniform, and he's got he's holding a lemon like a um, like a hand grenade or something. Yeah, like he's about ready to jump out of a plane with a parachute, and uh, yeah, it's a good military looking can, and. Uh, it's golden green, <laughs> like military green, and there's all kinds of writing and awards and things all over it. But I think I'm more worried about what's in the can than what's on it, Eric. Exactly, because this says wheat ale brewed with lemongrass, lemon peel, and grains of paradise. 
Oh, did so, you hear that can opening? Exactly. Do you have a? Do you have you had lemongrass before? Like I as actually, an ingredient, I have like once. Yeah, one of my favorite Jamba Juice, and then I'll just have a lemongrass shot. Yeah, there is a restaurant that has, I think, I think it's Thai food, but there's a dish on there called lemongrass beef with chili spices. One of my favorites. One of my. So I've never had it as a condiment or a topping on something. I've only had like a straight shot of like shot of lemongrass juice or whatever, and I don't care for it. But I can see how it would go well with other food. Yes. All right. It does smell very lemony. Ooh, it smells good. All right. Oh, it, yes, it does. I can smell the, uh, the, I mean, this sounds stupid, but the grains of paradise, I've had something before and I can smell it in here. Someone smells like passion fruity. Yeah. Hmm. It's going to be exciting. All right, Eric, cheers, my friend. Cheers. All right. First sip. The other beer we've had from them, by the way, was the peanut butter... Stout? Peanut butter stout, yep. Yep. Which I really enjoy. Yes, it's a good one. And it's about that time of season to get another one. True. This is very lemony. Actually, I would say it's not as much more lemony than it is wheat. Yes, I, I agree with that. And I don't... When I get a... When you have a Hefeweizen, do you generally will put a lemon wedge in there? I typically don't add fruit to my beer, period. Yeah, I, see, I, I have a lot of friends that don't either. I do. I like, uh, like, I put a lime in a Corona. I, I put a lime in a Dos Equis. I, I, I think they're they're much more enhanced with that. Yeah. Okay. And this to me tastes like kind of almost like a Hefeweizen with the lemon put into it. Yeah, it, it, like the citrus notes aren't aren't just like part of the beer. It's almost like they're freshly added recently. That's kind of I aggressive. Agree. That's a smooth. That's a smooth and refreshing beer. I, I'm not tasting a lot of beer to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, the lemon do, is, is. I so do f- taste the wheat part. I do. Don't get me wrong. I really like it. You're Man, gonna have to is, rate this on a. That's good. You're gonna have to rate this on a beverage scale. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Grains of Paradise. Hmm. This would be a great beer for 90 degree weather. Go sit out on your porch and have this tall boy. That would be. Yeah, nice. this is good. This is like the adult right. lemonade. Mm-hmm. It, this, I mean, it is very citrus. I wouldn't, I wasn't even thinking they would have that much citrus. I thought it was going to be, you know, I've had obviously like blue moons. I've had the like shock tops. I've had, um, yep. Pyramid used to be a, a Hefeweizen that was really popular. Do you remember yep. Carmel Wheat? That used to be a local one that was really popular, too. I do. I do. Um, I remember Pyramid had a Curveball. Uh, okay. There was a beer, beer called Curveball, but they would also... Um, they had one that had a lemon in it, too. Now, to be fair, this is a wheat ale rather than a Hefeweizen, which is a different style, um, even though they're using wheat in both. Exactly. I mean, Hefeweizen is a wheat-based beer. But no, this is good. I like I really this one. I really like it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, because we're talking about food this month, because of yeah. Thanksgiving here in the U.S. of A, uh, we are rating things out of a cup of flour. And Eric, 
I am quite enjoying this one. I think I'm going to give this a three-quarter cup with two tablespoons. <laughs> I really like this one. No, I, 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 I am thinking exactly the same. I think I will oh. join you in that exact rating. I like it. I think it's great. This would be a fantastic summer beer to me. And actually, I apologize. We need to change our rating because yeah, the, t- the beer was, was at yeah. one ton, 2,000 pounds of dead decomposing leaves on my porch. Yep. So, yeah, in wow. this case, I'm going to give it a uh, 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 1,826 pounds. I was going, I was just thinking I was going to give it 1,815. We're very close. Within 11 by my math. Mm-hmm. Man, that is good. You know what? We, we need to try some more Belgian beaver. I think these guys are two for two. I think these guys are knocking it out of the park. I'm, I'd have to figure out if this this beer or there was a beer like two or three months ago that, that we re- I really enjoyed that were kind of up there for my beer of the year. Yeah, I was very nervous because I remembered that we have December coming where we have our end of the year and things have been going we i've been so busy yeah i don't your... remember anything so <laughs> i gotta i'm gonna have to go back and really look peruse our notes yep same same all right so we hope you guys enjoyed eric's take and cody's corner this month but it is now time for eric and i to let you know what we've been all about when we catch up And keep in mind, no actual Tim. That was false advertisement, and I apologize. <laughs> no Tim uh, this time, but he, he I think he will be back in December. I'm 90% certain of it. Gotcha, gotcha. So, Eric, you've been doing a lot this month, and I've been doing a little, so I'm going to let you start doing all the talking. Yep, so this first one, um, I feel I, I'm going to come clean on this. Okay, okay, come clean. I'm come clean on this. This is the place. You're in a safe place, Eric. So, Amy West, which I, it really is one of the few things that is here right in my backyard. So, yes. this is in Sacramento. I live in a suburb of Sacramento. So, it literally is like a 25 minute drive. I, I don't have any excuse for not going to Amy West. And Amy West is an Amiga, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Starts with a C. Convention. Convention. Thank you. Yep, Amy West is an Amiga convention, and and it's getting it 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 kind of died off at COVID, like everything did, and they're really working hard at making it bigger and bigger. And this year, there were a ton of people there. Oh, cool. Um, but that's not my point. My I'm coming clean because I heard um, Doug sent me a message in private messages on Twitter, and he was like, "Hey." You know, I, I look forward to seeing you in Amy West. I had no idea it was happening, like like the the weekend it was happening on. And yeah, I was kind of notified last minute, not anybody's fault. I mean, <laughs> yep, I should also have been aware, but yeah, I was very busy. It wasn't going to happen again. But yep. So what's bad is that um, I had stuff planned for that weekend, volleyball with my daughter and some other stuff. So I was like. Holy crap. I, I didn't know this was happening. I really, it just snuck up on me and it was, it did happen earlier in the, it, I think it was two weeks or something earlier than it usually does. So I didn't know. I didn't hear anything about it. I'm just not on social media that much anymore just because I've been so busy. So 
I, I just was like, Hey, I, I got it. So during a break in my schedule, I went out there and I did the quickest Amy West visit <laughs> in its history. <laughs> so Cody, I'm not joking. I was there physically probably less than an hour. Yeah. Um, and it, and I, and it took me an hour to drive there and back Yeah, because I was at a place at a, I was, I was appreciative that, that you made it. Cause I, I was watching you a little bit on Twitter, like find a way to get there. And I'm like, I know you've got stuff going on. Like I do. I don't know how you're making this happen, but I, and I shouldn't have, and I, I hate have. that for, for Doug specifically because, yeah, because Doug makes the whole drive out here. And, and, and I really, it, to me, it's hanging out with Doug is the main focus. And then everything else, um, I do love Amy West. Those guys, Jerry and those other guys out there, put on a, a dang good show. Absolutely. And, but we could also see them if we chose yes. to go to a local meetup and stuff too. Yep. But yeah. Nope, nope, you're right. But I didn't hear about it. And and I'm not I'm not saying it, it, it I mean it is my fault, but Mr. Toast himself. Yep. So anyway, I go out there for the quickest visit in Amy West history of any individual. And I was there physically on site less than an hour. I did meet with Tim or Tim. I did meet with, with Doug, hung out with him. Um, I saw some of the presentations and, and stuff that were laid out there. There were a great number of people there. I mean, just in the, in that room was crowded. So, I mean, I'm, cool. I'm happy for Amy West. I'm happy. I'm happy what they're doing, but I did meet with Dan Salvato and he was kind enough to sit down with me, and he even said that maybe in a future episode we can interview him. Cool. He is the guy who wrote Doki Doki Literature Club. Yes. Oh, I remember Jerry reaching out to us specifically to let us know this person was there, and I'm like, are you serious? Yep. Like the most random, awesome connection I never would have imagined. Nope. And so I went out there, and I, I shook his hand. I sat down, and he talked to me. He is doing a thing where he is writing an Amiga game and it's a, sh it's a shmup. In fact, it's a platformer shmup, which sounds weird, right? But he's writing this thing and he has a lot of the, a lot of the kind of details of it uh, done. It's not in a cohesive game yet, but I, I did sit down and I watched him play it. Um, it looks fantastic. It's It's called Magicor Anomala. Okay. Um, it is this, looks is this really, running on like a 500 or like a, I think it was running on a 1200 when I was there, but, okay. um, supposedly he has it running. I don't, I don't remember if it was AGA or OCS, but you can look it up and, and see what it's running on. He, but the cool thing is he is going to release it on Amiga, but he's also going to release it as a PC game on, on, um, on steam. So you're going to be able to get it on modern platform as well as get it um, on on an Amiga. And from what I understand, it's going to run. It, you don't need a big pumped up Amiga to play this game. Um, from what I understand, it's going to run on a pretty basic Amiga. Um, but yeah, so you're seeing it. it's going to be like a little kind of has a little anime cutscenes. But then it's going to go into where it oh, has yeah. a ton of bullets on. It's a bullet hell platformer. Yeah, and so what you're doing is you're jumping around and you're trying to get to the person to save them or whatever. Um, again, the game's going to change a lot. This is very very beta, but um, it looks really cool. And I think this game would even be 
great on Steam. Yeah, so, this is neat. This is very neat. And I love it. It's a u- completely unique gameplay, but it also looks well polished. Yes. Man. Yeah, like this looks like rain. Anyways, okay. Cool. Very cool. Yep. So that was a highlight. Um I did I did see see Jerry there from from Amy West. I did talk with Doug quite a bit, but I just felt bad because I was like, Doug, I gotta get back. I gotta get back on the road for another hour. So yeah. that was it. I, um, I'm going to make a concentrated effort to get out to Amy West next year and spend some serious time there. Maybe we go need to, to the, put a few things on our calendar for next year. Um, yeah, specifically because I'm not doing a, a big vacation or anything next year. So I would love to take time off to yeah. specifically do some retro stuff with you. Yes. Um, and that would be obviously if we can make it over to England it would be amazing. If we can make yep. sure we make Amy West and how cool would it be if we can make uh you know one of the big video retro video game conventions like Portland or something too. So Yep, absolutely. So, <sighs> anyway, that's my news for my my super quick Amy West visit. I mean, we talk about that game all the time on the show. I remember I I had played it and I introduced it to you and Tim and you guys I think struggled through it for the first half hour or so until it started to click what this game really was. Yes. And Doki Doki Literature Club is so unique and so cool. And again, I, yeah. they, they came out with a version on the Switch, mm-hmm. which I would recommend people buying because that's how uh, Dan Salvato would make his money. Uh, but the original game was completely free on PC, I think on Steam and stuff. Yes. And I loved it because it it had some unique things that you have to play the game to understand. But um, anyways... Yeah, so I mean, I'm, cool. I'm not going to do a spoiler at all, but yeah, I do wonder it's... how it plays on the Switch, like yeah, the ending. It, you know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I would like to see that because I'd like to see how he how he accomplished that. You didn't. Uh, you didn't ask him. You didn't ask him while he was there. I didn't ask him again. I was in a in a, in a hurry, but I wish I could have. But he did offer. I got his business card right here. That's cool. Business card. I can email him and say, "Hey, remember me." pixel guide and hopefully he wouldn't remember me and i think we could get him on a interview i wanted to wait till closer when this game was releasing so we could tie it into a retro game that would be but fun. i would love to get you and tim and or tim to get on with me and do an interview proper yes and yes. and that would probably because my memory is shot because i'm an old man i do would probably have to play literature club again oh just twist my arm kind of, just to refresh my, because he asked me there when I was embarrassed, he asked me what who my girl? favorite character was. Yuki. And I couldn't remember their names. I remember the girl. Yeah, I'm sure you described it and he knew which one you're talking about. And that's exactly what happened. I described yeah. her and he's like, oh, you mean her? And I was like, yep. And he gave me a pin. Yuki. Did he really? Yep, Yuki. He gave me Did a little a pin Yuki of pin? Yuki on it. I gave it to my daughter and she put it on her backpack. Oh, but, that's um, cool. That's way but, cool. Uh, yeah. Gave me a little pin of Yuki, which was awesome. So you mean you didn't want to walk around at work with a Yuki pin on? <laughs> no, I couldn't do that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also funny that all three of us want Yuki, too. Yeah. Um, so my first topic here is this is more of a story than really the, the outcome here. But uh, so one of the uh, buddies, uh, he's now definitely a friend of mine. I met him through another friend. We were acquaintances for a while. And now we're full on friends. But yeah. for whatever reason, uh, I guess I when I first told him about our podcast, like t- three years ago or whatever, he remembered talking to me about it and was listening, uh, even though he's not specifically a retro gamer by any means. Um, 
and had meant to give me these for years. And so I just saw him over the weekend out of nowhere. He's like, Cody. I'm like, oh, Rich, nice to see you. Uh, and he had a little bag. Somehow he knew I was going to be at this location. Okay. And he's like, I've been meaning to give you these for two and a half years. And so these are from his childhood. Oh, wait, let me stop sharing my screen so you can see them, I think. Yeah, I made your pit. You're bigger on the screen so I can see these. Yeah. So these oh, he's, wow. are from look his how, childhood. Look how, look at what, how in shape those are. Well, yeah, and they are. So what, but I'll tell you in a second. So these are Magnavox Odyssey 2 games. So he actually had a Magnavox Odyssey 2 when he was a kid. Yeah. Uh, he must not have the system anymore, but for whatever reason, he still had the games. And they are really in really good shape. Unfortunately, two of the games, I guess his dad did this because these games notoriously, like this one, the boxes just kind of naturally open. Yes. <laughs> they're not, they don't break. They're just folded. So over time, they just naturally kind of open at the edges. So and television ones do the same thing. Uh, I think to a lesser extent, but yes. To a lesser, yeah, yeah. Um, so what his dad's solution was back in the day was to put duct tape around the entire edge of these two. Yeah. Yeah. But the front and the backs look in great shape. And um, you open them up, and they've all still got the manuals, which I don't think I have manuals for any of the other games I have. Wow. Um, but these, I've got uh, the infamous KC Munchkin now. Oh, I, that, that, that's a must-have on the Odyssey 2. Which I don't have yet. Uh, and this is the uh, notorious, like, one of the first Pac-Man clones that got sued for being yes. too much like Pac-Man. And then, of course, so many other ones came after this, they couldn't keep up. Uh, and they have a huge lawsuit, and they're, they're the ones who kind of define, define the parameters of clones. Like, yep. c- can you do it or can you not? And that was a big court case. And, of course, the cartridges for Odyssey 2 games have a big old handle on them. Yes. Um, so that, I got that one. Uh, and then a lot of these games had multiple games in them. So this one is Mathemagic and Echo. Okay. So we got that game, and, of course, that's got the manual as well. And then the last one I got here was three games in one, which you've got Speedway, Spinout, and Crypto Logic. So there's really not a ton of Odyssey 2 games. Yeah. Uh, but I've actually got three games that I didn't already have. So I think I've got about 12 games now altogether. So I'm very appreciative. And I think that was super cool that he remembered this. That's and, awesome. Uh, and it's been trying to get into me for three years. So Odyssey Thank you, 2 is still a mis- Odyssey 2 still one I don't have. Yep. Yep, and overseas it was called, uh, I think, uh, is it, it was the Pioneer, not Pioneer, or Panasonic, oh, what was it called overseas? Yeah, I, it had a completely different name overseas, right? It was like, um, it wasn't, it wasn't called the Odyssey, it was, ah, oh man, I don't know what it is, but, no, I, that's still one in there, and the now, Phillips, in a, in a, it was the Ma- Phillips, Phillips Magnavox Odyssey too. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was just made by different, released over here by a different company. Yeah. Or, or video pack. There we go. It was Sold in Europe as the Philips That's video right. pack G7000. Man, Ooh. that sounds futuristic. In Peru, it was the Philips Odyssey. Um, yeah. Also known as the Philips Odyssey 2. Anyways, yep. this is part of the Gen 2 line of video game releases. Just, uh, just so you know this, um, in a few minutes, I will be talking about the Backbit cartridge. Mm-hmm. They have an Odyssey 2 adapter for that. Mm-hmm. You could get a multi-cart for that. That would be pretty sweet. Perfect. Speaking of nuggets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of, of information. 
Yeah. So in our notes, I put McNugs in here. <laughs> and so this isn't a big secret because I told these guys. And in fact, I think Cody was very close to doing this first. I'm and, glad we didn't I didn't talk about it. I'm glad I didn't. So I got us all three, which I will be shipping to Tim as soon as I can. I'm going to hand it to you because I got a couple things I need to get to you, Cody. Yeah, let's get a package um, going here. But I got the thing we talked about on the show a couple of months ago, the Chicken McNugget. Yeah. So this is was released in China. It, it looks like a giant chicken McNugget. But what it is is a handheld Tetris game. Naturally. And, uh, it actually plays a pretty mean game of Tetris. But a unique uh, game, right? Because it's not... It's kind of got Tetris with an extra rule. Like, I'm trying to remember what it was, but... I don't know. I mean, it, the, the only thing about it is that it is... Um, See, it still has the original Tetris music. Do you hear that? Yeah, Korobinki. Um, but it, wow. it plays Tetris, but the only thing is is that you can move left and right and down and, and, and force a thing down. But there isn't like a rotate left and rotate right. There's, there's this one big button rotates the block. And Goes through all of it. Yep. Okay. That's great for me because I never did that. I never used like multi, like rotating it left and right. I always just used one button. Yeah, I pretty much did too. If you want to, if you want to go one direction, you hit it three times instead of one. But anyway, so the McNugget thing works. Um, It comes with stickers. Look at this stickers. (laughs) You can stick on your McNuggies. Um, I will say this is a really cool thing. I've, I, I will be sitting here working, like working on something for a client. And I'm waiting for a process to finish, and I will just pull this out, turn it on. Heck, I'm going to play, play a quick Tetris. game of Tetris McNugs. Yep, and it comes in this really cool McNugget box. Yeah, I love it. That looks like a box of chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see it, that? It's the cool... Yeah. I've been, I mean, like I said, I, I think all three of us have been wanting this since it came out. And when these first came out, people were paying like $50 to get them shipped, and they yep. were getting stupid. And these were just McDonald's things that people could go buy for, I think, $3 American, roughly, in yep. China. Uh, but, but, you know... Here's yours and Tim's. I never even opened them. They're still in the original plastic. So they're going to be brand new. You're going to open that chicken McNug box. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. So I'm going to ship that to you and Tim. I mean, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to ship it to Tim. And hopefully uh, you guys will enjoy it. Well, don't ship anything to Tim until until we get together. Oh, absolutely. I would never do that. Yep, we'll make a box. But I'm very interested in this next one, Cody, because you know me. I'm a TM fan. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'm not a fan of how, you know, a lot of these um, online video streaming services have gotten so divided and every, every network's got its own service and its own hit shows or whatever. But yes. when we uh, wanted to watch the Super Mario Brothers movie as a family, I realized you could rent it for $6 or I could just get Peacock for six dollars for one month yes and so i went ahead and got peacock we watched super mario and i'm like cool now we have peacock for a month as well so i don't feel like i lost anything and yeah. guess what happened right when i bought that the new twisted metal show was released on peacock yeah so i've started to watch um okay. twisted metal on peacock and it is a an episodic show it's not a movie it's an episodic show i think there's like 10 episodes I've gone through about four episodes so far, and uh, I just kind of want to give you my thoughts on it. Uh, I having played the game for a while, yeah. Um, 
so let's let's well, the, the first thing we have to know here when we're talking mm-hmm. about this show is twisted metal is a game about vehicular combat with outlandish characters violently attacking each other shooting each other blowing each other up with rockets perfect that in mind it is also a game that was released in the playstation era so people who played it are now 40 through 60 yes they are clearly adults and so this show is made for these people who like violent video games who are now 40 through 60 and it is a very, very much an adult show with uh, lots of violence, bad words, blood, um, ridiculous uh, references, music from be. the era. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. And um, and it's colorful and bizarre, and it looks like you're watching. I, I mean, it's really well produced. Yes. Uh, but like you know, in the first few episodes here, you're the main bad guy. They use Sweet Tooth, the big clown who ride, drives an ice cream truck, is the main bad guy, and they have Sweet to make tooth? up some story and stuff. But yeah. um, it is entertaining. It is very entertaining. Is it um, good? Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that because I I don't have Peacock and I haven't tried to download those shows at all. But I have seen clips on YouTube, and I will say the two main actors in there. Anthony Mackie, who was in the Marvel movies as Falcon. Oh, is that who this is? I've never seen those movies, so. Yeah, I but He's very like likable. That. He's a very likable character. I like that dude, and he's been in a lot of really good stuff. He was in 8 Mile with Eminem. He, he is Falcon, and now he's Captain America. So when Captain America 4 comes out, he's the new Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that dude. I think he's a great actor. I've seen him in a lot. Of, he was in a Black Mirror episode. And then the, the woman that's Stephanie in there. Beatrice. Yeah, she was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She mm-hmm. played the Detective Diaz, which I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's a hilarious show. And she pretty much plays that character in this. I mean, that's kind of become her archetype, unfortunately. I think she can be a lot more than that. But yeah. she does it to a T. Um, yeah, but I love her. So, I mean, those are two people. So, I, I would probably was going to get around to this, but you giving your endorsement that it's entertaining. I don't, we've talked about this. I don't expect a ton from video game movies. I'm not looking for an Oscar winner here. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to be entertained. Right. So, And what I will tell you is I'm also a big fan of B movies and like, yes, kind of tongue in cheek. They know what they're doing kind of stuff. Yep. I would say that I would already go back and watch the episodes I've already seen over again. Okay. It's kind of quick hitting. Um, definitely schlocky, but with an A, like an A-list budget. It's not for, not as far as, you know, necessarily actors and actresses, but, um, as far as effects and the things they're doing, uh, the sets, um, but yeah, the humor is awesome. The one weird thing about the movie that I will say is weird, but it's weird almost in a good way. It's kind of off-putting in a good way. They pick music from the era. So like the mid nineties, but it's not music that necessarily uh, plays well with the action on the screen. It's like juxtaposition, right? Oh, okay. Like, I don't know if you were just seeing that, that we were watching a scene, uh, which is kind of one of the big scenes that I like to show off, but Sweet Tooth uh, basically beating up a guy in a casino and they have the thong song playing. <laughs> and Sweet Tooth is singing the thong song. Um, and then later on, there's a couple... Uh, I can't even remember the band, but there's a couple of songs I haven't heard in years. And again, there it was like almost a, a alternate rock adult contemporary song playing while they're 
you know, in, in situations that are really gritty and grimy. And I'm like, this doesn't work, but because it doesn't work, it kind of works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I, it, I think it's really cool. I'm excited to watch the rest of it. My wife is not on board necessarily, but not on board. Well, yep. and even my, be winners. and even my daughter who, uh, who's, uh, recently gotten into horror movies and we've been watching kind of the old kind of corny horror movies. Yeah. Uh, I should say like Friday the 13th we watched and a couple of these things, which are, I would never have watched them at that age, but I'm not worried about it for her. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch this with her. It's too much. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. but anyways, some I'm things are it. very, it's cool. Some things are very much starting to push the boundaries of what, like of acceptable stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I've been watching uh, Gen V, which is an offshoot of The Boys. I don't know if you know any of this, what I'm talking about. I know The Boys. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard of that. I would like it. The Boys is awesome. I love it. It's yeah. a great show. But Gen V is like they're like a college university where like the youths are in there, like learning how to be superheroes. Dude, don't let any of your kids see that until they're like okay. 28. Until they're 28. 28 is the appropriate it. age. This is that's the appropriate age. Rated MA 28. All right. There's some crazy, crazy stuff in there. But anyway, gotcha. that's my two cents. But do that. That that pleases me. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. I like it. It's fun. All right. So I've got a tale to tell. All right. Um, I like it. I like tales. You know, I'm always getting on this show, Cody, and I'm bragging about how I'm finding all these deals. Eric, you're always bragging. What are you talking yeah, about? I'm just like the hubris is crazy on this guy. <laughs> I'm out there like I'm obviously buying. you're being tongue in cheek. That is not the case. I got no. I mean, seriously, like I'm always saying, oh, you know, I'm getting three Converse 64s and Shop Goodwill for 25 bucks. Oh, well, that was, was years and years ago. I was 15 you, years ago. I haven't heard you brag about a deal in a while. <laughs> Those are well, those I mean, are dried up, know, but yeah, I know what you mean. Legacy, Legacy Toys and Games. I yeah, got yeah, that yeah. Neo Geo. <clears throat> I do. I don't know if that was a super good deal, but it was a pretty good deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't work now, which I've talked about. I'm gonna try to fix that. But um, you know, I'm always talking about deals I'm getting, and they always work out. Let me tell you the other side of that coin. All right. <laughs> so I went to Legacy Games, and the guy showed me these boxes of Intellivision games, and they were all in good shape, like they were practically new. Ooh. And I meant to send you and Tim that picture of those boxes because see if there's anything you wanted but um in fact i'll still send those to you i'm sure they still have them but he was like oh by the way we we have the intellivision that the person who traded this in they they had an intellivision do you want to see it and i was like you know i have one and when you and me modded ours at the same time for composite mm -hmm. and uh, you know we're, we have ones but i'm always looking for an orphan you know what i mean <laughs> so i'm like yeah, I want to see it. Like, like let's let's check it out. So it was uh, in Television Three. So look at this bad boy, mint minty condition. Television like, System Three. Yeah. Okay. So this doesn't have the wood grain, but it's like the silver and black one. Um, the controllers look like they're barely used. Um, just a beautiful system. And so he was like, "Hey, well, you know." you know, I, well, I'm going to sell this to you. I'm assuming I, he's all, we haven't tested it. I'm assuming it works. So how much do you want? And I was like, okay, you know, and they're like, they I'll, always work. I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. And he's like, well, let's do 70. And I was like, well, and I, I, I honestly don't even remember right now, but it was somewhere between 50 and 70. So probably 60, let's say 60 bucks. Okay. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Let's do that. 
It might have been 50. I don't remember. But anyway, I get it and I bring it home. It, the power light comes on. That's something. But, yep, that's something. Uh, but I get a black screen. Now, you go online, they're like, oh, your cartridge port's dirty. So I, cl- I took that apart. I cleaned that. That was pretty easy. It wasn't very dirty. <clears throat> Still doesn't work. And then you go to do the uh, more troubleshooting on that. And it's like, well, it could be any of the chips. Could be the RAM chips. Could be the <laughs> CPU chip. Could be the graphics chip, the GPU. Could be any of these. So now I'm just like stuck. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I can't swap all those out. Yeah. So, and they're all soldered on. So they're not socketed. I can't even swap them with my other one or whatever. So I'm sitting on this like in television three that doesn't work. And I just don't have the motivation to really dig into it because I have a working straight one. to the box of broken dreams. Yep. So it's going to the box of broken dreams. That was 50 bucks. It's gone right there. Boom. Done. But that's the horror stories. That's the retro horror stories that you don't often hear about people. But I'm honest. I'm bringing this to the show. Yep. I'm honest about yep. my, my failures as well. So anyway, it's a great physical system. Yeah. But doesn't work. Yep. No, I think you and I have both gotten some pretty good, uh, not amazing, but pretty good solid deals, uh, you know, getting stuff for 40% of what they probably should go for. And yep. every once in a while, you end up with something like that. I've got the same thing. I've got a little... My last Coco two I purchased for eighty bucks doesn't work, and, okay. I, and it's sitting in my box of broken dreams. I'm like, I'm sure there's a way to get it going, but I haven't done it yet. And it's probably going to be a while till I ever think about getting to it. So, because you and me are both super busy guys, so when are we ever going to be able to again? Like, if I get free time, I want to play stuff. That's what I exactly. want to do. So I just don't have time to take something apart and try to fix it. I am going to do my Neo Geo. That's my next thing. And I'm going to do that this month. Yeah, You've got to get that one working. Cause that's yeah. Yeah. But anyway, all right, what's next? All right. This will be super quick. And I kind of honestly just threw this in here because you had so much more catching up than I do. <laughs> it's, filler. <laughs> it's filler. It totally is. Um, I complained about the increased uh, prices of Xbox gold, Xbox online and PlayStation. Yes, I remember. Um, so I'm making some changes. So first of all, Xbox, which was fun. The first thing I did was changed it to they have a version that it gives you Xbox as well as Microsoft PC games mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Didn't yep. realize that's what I had this whole time. So I reduced it down to the Xbox only one. And then with one day to go, I checked on it and said, shoot. Uh, I'm about to re up for this, but I'm st- like I haven't played a game except for the ones I own this whole yep. month. So I yep. canceled it, and they refunded my whole money for the month. So I got oh, 29 wow. days refunded. Uh, but long story short, I literally own. If you turn on my Xbox right now, the only games I own are the Atari Recharge games I've purchased. <laughs> so, so, uh, but my mindset is rather than spending this $15 every month, yep, I'm just gonna have to be in the mindset where hey. I can buy a game or two every month, and I typically buy indie games, uh, and I'm just going to do that for now until I ha- know I have like a whole month where I'm going to be able to play a whole bunch of these new games by buying maybe a month of gold or something. But That's right. So I've done that, and I'm looking at PlayStation, which I usually buy once a year, and considering if I want to re-up that. So there we go. Yep. Change of heart I, with my online services. Yep. So I, I just a little... Uh, addition to that so when my son lived with me 
he I bought him an Xbox Game Pass. We shared it. So I would log in. He could log in. And we could both do that. And then when he went off to college, I was like, oh, you can just have it. I don't really need it. So I didn't have it anymore, but I'm paying for this Game Pass. And I logged in there because I keep getting dinged every month. I think mm-hmm. it's $14.99 or something. I get dinged every month for the game Xbox Game Pass. I wasn't using it because we would share it. I could You could put yeah. it on multiple systems. It doesn't matter. I wasn't using it, um, but he was before he went to college. But now he, college is just, you know, kicking his butt because he's busy um, partying, basically, and also <laughs> going to classes. But um, but I logged in. He hasn't logged in since basic. I, I, he, I asked him and he took his Xbox, but he hasn't logged in at all. So I just turned it off. So I'm going to wait for his call. Money down the drain. Like, but yeah, not until he needs it yeah because he's not using it and and i just haven't had the opportunity to tell him that i turned it off but i'm gonna and i'm just gonna be like hey if you want me to turn it back on i will but i think he's so busy he's just not into gaming right now which is fine he needs to be focused on other stuff but so <laughs> i'm i'm not for the first Studies. time i'm not paying. i think i've paid for my xbox game pass thing since it was a service i've been paying for it since it came out wow yeah. So I this is the first time I've turned it off. It was literally like uh, a week ago I turned it off. Like first time <laughs> ever. So it's not like uh, the new days where you can just hop onto Steam and download a game, right, Eric? That's right. So I got it. I only got two Steam games that I downloaded this month, and I want to tell you about them. First one is Wizard with a Gun, and I don't know if you want to look this up I and do, do a little share screen. Because two of the, these two games are really good, and I think you'd be interested in both of them, Cody. Um, but I'm going to tell you which I've one's seen, my favorite. I've seen this one. Wizard with a Gun just came out in November. Um, you are a wizard with a gun. Perfect. Now, you basically have a gun, and, and it's like a basic a magic gun, which you can control and change. Uh, you can change the bullet types, like fro- like like a freeze bullet or a fire bullet or whatever. Um, and you're gonna have to share that with me, Cody, because I can't see it. Ah, whenever you do it. But um, you basically the the whole gist of the game is that you are a wizard and you you have this overworld, this home base that you go to, and you are there's a time machine in there. That's the picture of it right there. There's like a little statue and it's got gears in it and you have to go into this the real world find the gears to put into the time machine and while you're doing that there's a timer on the top of the screen and the the timer is counting down to the end of the world basically and when the world ends you're basically hard mode kicks in and all the enemies just start just mobbing you and it becomes very difficult. Right. Um, but you can always make your way back to your, um, your gateway, your arch and go back to your, um, home base and all the stuff you've collected in the home, in the real world called the shatter, you can bring back to your home base to build the, build up the stuff in your home base to give you additional, um, benefits right so you can do weapon increases you can craft stuff because you can get raw materials there you can get food to create potions you can do all sorts of stuff in the real world but it's always a a counter click 
counting down. And then once you do that, you can stay in the world, but there's a reward risk benefit to staying in the world when all the enemies just start popping out of the woodwork coming after you. Um, so it, cre- it creates this very compelling and very interesting game loop. Yeah, it looks um, really oh, cool. It, so I haven't delved really deep into this game yet, but I played it. I think it's, I've played it four hours so far. Yeah. And it's great. It is a fantastic game. It's a game I especially think you'd like a lot. Um, it, yeah, it takes a lot of my boxes. And the ultimate gameplay, which I don't think you mentioned, is isometric twin six shooter, right? Yep, exactly. That's Very exactly pretty. What it is. And the graphics are, I can't, the best way for me to describe the color palette on these graphics. Yes. I mean, they're beautiful hand-drawn graphics, really well animated, but it would be like on the Commodore, when you look at the Commodore's muddy color palette, but every once in a while yes. a game comes out that's like very colorful for the Commodore. Yep. That's the color palette. It's like muted earth tones in a bright way. Yes. <laughs> it looks super good. And yeah, I could see myself losing myself in this game for sure. Yeah. So and, and it, it was a surprise to me because I grabbed it because the way people had explained it was it's almost like a Minecraft because you do craft a you lot. You craft things, but yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but there is an ultimate goal. I mean, you're trying to get through oh, the yeah, game. Definitely, you have to build up that time machine. So you find gears in the shatter in the real world. You find gears and stuff, and you're basically just trying. And you have missions and stuff. So it's all a very defined, clear path in the game. Um, very good, very good game. Wizard with a gun. Cool. Uh, on Steam. The next game I got on Steam, which another game, Cody, I think you'll like a lot. And this one's a lot um, easier to jump in and out of. It's called Col- Cobalt Core. This game is really pretty cool. So you, and it just came out, You and it's for the Switch and Steam. So if you want to prefer to play it on the Switch, you can just grab it on the Switch. Nice. And I And this is the game I've played the most so far. Okay. Um, it basically is a game where you have cards. So it's kind of yes, like a card. Hard to love it. <laughs> rogue deck. But you are a spacecraft and you're, you're on the bottom of the screen. And on the top is another spacecraft. And you play cards like move left and right. And you fire on the ship above. But that ship is also doing things. So it can shoot you with its weapons. It can place things in space between you. It can, it can do all sorts of things. Like it can launch enhancements for itself and it has shields and then also the whole damage, right? So you're basically playing cards to do simple things, move left, right, basic shot. But when you move on in the game, there is a tree kind of like in slay the spire, you know, where you're moving along a tree, you move along a tree and then in every tree, you can get new cards. You can pick an artifact. You can, upgrade the cards that you have. Um, you can upgrade your ship and then you get thrusted back into this, into the, into the combat. So the game loop is basically trying to work your way up the tree. Now, and in, each battle is cut- like one, you versus one spaceship. It's like one-on-one spaceship Correct. battle. Yep. And then what's cute about the game and kind of fun is the story is propelled by these, Animals on the left-hand side, kind of like Sky Fox. Mm-hmm. That's what reminded me the most Animal of you know, pilots. Sky Fox. You have foxes and whatever, pigs or whatever. I don't remember what's in Sky Fox, but you know what I'm talking about. Yep, a frog. Um, and 
they propel the storyline, but they are characters in the game that have skills. So during those that tree that you're moving down, you can upgrade the skills of your pilots and they will upgrade all the stuff that they do in the game in relation to the cards that you're you're doling out. So awesome. far, I've played this on my Switch. I've done it on like like uh, I had to take a go to a client and then stop off for lunch. I'm sitting there playing it. I played for an hour and a half at lunch the other day. <laughs> um, fantastic yeah, I can see myself game. getting into it. How much does this go for on? Well, you said Steam. I don't know how much if Switch is usually a little more, but yeah, it, this one is less than twenty bucks. Okay, yeah, I, um, it seems like a, when a I, Switch when game I, for me. It's definitely got that kind of. Uh, pseudo old school. I don't know how to explain it. New school, new school, but pixelated graphics. Yep. Um, and it's very much something I would be take with me and carry or lay in bed before I go to sleep and play some battles, kind of a thing. Yep. I play one chip and then I like put put the Steam Deck back on its charger, do my thing, and then come back and play one ship or whatever. I mean, I, I definitely play this thing in chunks where Wizard with a Gun is a little harder to do that because it's much more involved. Yep. You could sit down for half an hour and do your turns, and but this one you can literally do turns in like five minute increments. So cool. Co- Cobalt Core, great game and very very retro inspired. It's very pixelated graphics. Very cool. Good options. Uh, so there was an MSX again, the eight bit computer microcomputer from Japan that was big in the eighties and early nineties. Uh, you and I, Eric, both have one and love our MSX. Uh, and there was an MSX Dev Competition 2023. So there were, I think, like 20 something, 29 entries, something like that wow. this year. That is a ton. It's a ton. And, um, you know, I still struggle to get a lot of games running on the MSX, to be honest with you. I, I understand, yeah. But I've got about two thirds of them running for this competition. And, you know, as as always, there's a lot of people working on the programming skills. A lot of these games are stinkers or else they're, there's a couple that were really big in scope, but just kind of too uh, time consuming for me to really delve into. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of focus on a few that I tried that I thought were really good. Okay. So there is one and they're called... Uh, the Goblin, which I thought was really cool. Uh, the Goblin was a single-screen platformer where you're a, a goblin, and it's kind of a single-screen bubble-bobble kind of game. Uh, you run around, you have to drink beers, and your yeah. beers allow you to burp, and the burp turns enemies into tornadoes for some reason, and then you take <laughs> those tornadoes and you have to bring them to these little runes. Um, but it's got a very bubble-bobble feel, so I would recommend The Goblin. Um, there's one I wanted to try called Double Rainbow, which is like a... a color matching game now this game did i think glitch out on me um so i'd love to see a kind of a, a, a tweaked version of it and understand the game a little better better it was really an interesting game where you kind of had to memorize a color pattern and find those patterns within the big grid it's kind of a puzzly puzzly but not um you know not one answer puzzly game but kind of a matching block puzzly game um what i really i was excited that if you remember the game tanabra that came out oh, yeah, I on all yeah, kinds yeah. of 8-bit systems. Yeah, where you're, it's just black and white, but you're carrying these torches and you're trying to do these puzzles where if you find an oil pile, then your torch gets brighter and then you can't carry torches through certain gates. It's definitely a puzzle game, but it's not frustrating. It's fun. Um, Tanabra 2 
was released in this in this uh, demo. I'm sorry, in this dev contest, and I got a, a sucked right into it. And it does have a password save, so I think I'm like 12 levels in. I don't know how many levels there are, but number two is just as good as the first one. Uh, there was a game multiplayer snake game called Crawlers. Um, I guess I could have been showing you some of these games while we're talking about them, but I'm trying to go somewhat quick here. <laughs> uh, Crawlers was kind of cool because it is actually a, a game for the MSX that yeah. is it's basically snake where you try to you know you try to get the apples and your snake gets longer, but it's eight player snake. Oh wow! So you can have eight snakes on the screen at once, and you have you can actually somehow do eight inputs. A lot of them are keyboards or computers, and it's eight player snake. Um, super fun kind of party game idea. I thought that was and the cool. graphics look great on it. Yeah, I mean snake games are usually pretty rudimentary, but this is this they, they're very colorful. They're very unique. Each snake in its own way. It looks really cool. But the one game that I have to say took kind of took the show, uh, and I've seen multiple people talk about this. Oops, I'm spelling it wrong. MS. It's called Phoenix Corrupt. Corrupta. Phoenix Corrupta. Okay. Um, and it's a technically, I think, an MSX2 game. Okay. But basically, this is a Metroidvania-style game, and you know I'm a fan of those, yep. uh, where you are basically thrown into hell... Um, it's funny because you start as, uh, I mean, it's not super obvious, but you're, you start as a, a naked person and, uh, eventually there you are eventually. Um, but it's really cool. It's just a, a side scrolling single screen Metroidvania where you are run and jump and eventually you run into these gargoyles who threaten you and you have to find your way out of hell and you collect power ups um, I think at first you can't do anything except for avoid enemies, but eventually you drink this potion or whatever, which turns you into this like purple bat winged succubus woman. Um, and then once you do that, you're able to uh, throw fireballs. And then eventually this video, this gameplay doesn't show you a ton of it, uh, but eventually you're able to get wings Actually, here's the thing right here where you are able to throw fireballs. Eventually, you can get wings, which allow you to double jump. And, uh, yeah, you're trying to find your way out of hell. Um, it's got really cool cutscenes. Yeah, cutscenes and, and story elements. Um, statues like this will save your progress. They don't actually, they actually fill up your health and give you a password. But considering the limitations of the system, that's pretty good. Yeah, there's the fireballs in action. That's pretty cool. Yep. And it feels very Metroid also, like levels like this where all of a sudden the world just kind of changes color and um, different enemies. There's some ghosts. There's some. Also, when you get the fireball ability, the fire that you used to touch that would burn you and hurt you, now you actually collect the fire and it turns into ammo for your fireballs. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's pretty clever. Um, definitely a game I want to play through. I did play uh, probably for a good 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, and then all of a sudden I hit a bug that crashed it out. <laughs> So oh, no. it's not completely bug free, but luckily the password saves are often enough that I think as long as you write them down every time, you'll be able to, to get through this uh, pretty realistically, but very cool game. So it there we looks go. Great. Phoenix Corrupta. Nice. And I'm trying to get ourselves back to the notes page, which apparently just timed out. So that's fun for us. <laughs> You don't happen to remember the next thing you were going to talk about, do you, Eric? 
I remember what I have next, but I didn't know if you were done. Was I am that, done. Was, those are the games? Okay. The next thing is brings me back to when we were talking about Super Mario RPG and how we were talking about how I don't like to play full price. Yep. So my, as you know, in our... One thing the podcast has basically given me appreciation for are the 2D Mario platformers because I played Super Mario 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Yoshi, you know, the, the Yoshi's Island. And I, I've, I've started to very much enjoy those style games. So I went online on eBay just kind of a fluke like, hey, well, I don't want to pay 60 bucks for this, but if I could find it cheaper than that, then I want, I want to grab it and I want to try it. I played Mar- Super Mario Odyssey and loved it. And I don't like 3D Mario games. I u- typically don't. But I played Super Mario Odyssey all the way through and couldn't put it down. I mean, yeah, I was playing I, that I for I still hours want to borrow that from you because I want to play that one. Man, I loved that game and played it and beat it and loved every minute of it, Okay. So I was like, you know what? I want to do that for 2D games. So I went and I found Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Um, and I went and gr- grabbed it on eBay. And I didn't get a super good discount. I think I found it for 45 bucks, but it was brand new. Still in yeah. the shrink wrap. Shoot. I mean, that's as low as I think you're going to be able, ever be able to get for. Yeah, exactly. So I went and grabbed it and free shipping. Got it on eBay. Um, and I've been playing it not as much as I wanted to, cause I was doing my, I was doing my, uh, duty with, for the podcast and playing those games, <laughs> but maybe during Thanksgiving break, I'm going to get, I'm probably going to, I'm traveling just like you are. So I'm probably going to take my switch with me and this is probably the game I'll be playing. Um, but so far I've gotten to, I've gotten off the first world and I'm in world two and I'm loving it. It is a fantastic game. A lot of cool features, a lot of great graphics, great sound and music, just like you expect from a 2D Mario game. Um, There are two things I want to tell you that I appreciate about this game versus other 2D Mario platform games. Okay. Okay. Two things. No timer anymore. Timers are out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> timers are out exploration sacrilegious is so now finally in a mario game you can just explore to your heart's content you can go back and forth in the level you can explore and it encourages it and in fact you need to explore to do well in this game love it big improvement don't ever change it back timers suck <laughs> that's it tell us so how you no really timer. feel Another cool element in this game is money, currency that you can spend in shops. Mm-hmm. Fun. So you go to a shop and now let's say you're not a very good player like me. I'm just not good at 2D Mario games. When you go into the shop, guess what you can buy? You can buy lives. You can buy extra lives. So you can buy more lives so you can... You know, if, if it takes you five lives to get through a level, so be it. You can just go buy lives. But let's say you're a good player. That the, the, This is where the genius of the game is. I didn't read this anywhere. I just kind of figured it out. Yeah. Let's say you're a great Mario player. When you're in the shop, don't get lives. You don't need them. You just go buy, like, add-ons and power-ups and and other really cool stuff that will enhance your game in other ways. 
So what they did was they basically made it so that whether you're a novice player or you're an advanced player, what you buy in the shops changes based on the level of, of, of your gameplay. Gotcha. So I think it's cool. I, it's a great mechanic. I think they've, it's well thought out. I am, I am digging it so far. So um, I think it's going to be a winner and I'm going to keep playing it and see how far I get. Do you like Maybe Mario? This is the next, this might like be Mario? the next as, game I beat. As an elephant? <laughs> yeah, Mario's an elephant. <laughs> no, it looks solid. I actually think it looks a lot more like the original Mario platform is the way that it yeah. plays and everything. It actually feels more like the original platformers, but with more modern sensibilities rather than the 2D games I've been playing lately on the Switch. Um, yeah. Like Mario... Uh, shoot, I can't remember the name of the one I've been playing with the girls. That's 2D. Uh, but it's kind of more hand-holdy and less platformy and collect em uppy, if yeah. you will. But mm-hmm. yeah, I know it looks super cool. It's like aggressively pastel animal <laughs> exactly. changing Mario. Nice. Yep. So nice. that's that. Oh, so I'm I'm up next and this you is a big next. one that I want to talk about. So the backbit cartridge, backbit.io, okay? Yes. This thing is really really cool. I'm just going to I'm going to bury the lead on this. Bury the lead. Bury the lead. The backbit cartridge from their name is Evie Salomon. Solomon, hopefully I'm saying that right. Solomon. Her name, yeah. And if you go to Backbit, um, there it, it, you basically buy this cartridge, and it has a button on top, has the SD card um, slot on the top, but it is a multi-game cartridge that you can put in a system. You get a menu, and you pick a game, and it loads the game. Okay. Yeah, okay. You, you kind of talked about what it was supposed to do last time we talked, because you were, yep. had ordered it, and it seems yep. too good to be true. You just... Plug it in, putting games on, and it works. And it works. No go and download firmware. No go and download special files you put on the cart. It just works, right? So what I did was when I bought this, you buy it and you get one adapter with it. And I got mm-hmm. the Vectrex because the Vectrex is the one I don't have a multi-cart for. Yeah. Um, so I went and got Vectrex. Boom, put it in. Bob's your uncle. I'm playing games. Okay. This month, what I did is I was so impressed by that, I went and got two more adapters for systems that I didn't have a multi-cart for. Okay. So I got one for the Intellivision, and I got one for the Atari 7800. Which would have been needing one for the 7800. Correct. The 7800 one, I really wanted one for because I don't have it, and there aren't any really good multi-carts for the Atari 7800. Um, at least none that I've found that were in stock. So I went and got that. Now, the cool thing about the Atari 7800 is that um, it comes like a lot of the game, not a lot. There were a few games that came with a pokey chip mm-hmm. built in because if you don't a do sound that, chip. Yep. The all the um, all the games on. On. um the 7800 use the Atari 2600 sound. That's one thing people don't really realize. It uses the same sound chip as the Atari 2600. So yeah, not terribly impressive, not terribly impressive, but what they could do on the 7800 is they could put a pokey chip on the cartridge and suddenly you have amazing sound. And there were a few games like ball blazer, um, commando, 
that actually have a pokey chip built into the cartridge. Now, one problem is that the pokey chip is getting rare, more rare. So people will yeah, buy they're... those cartridges just to harvest the pokey chips out of mm-hmm. to fix their Atari computers. Um, but the the back bit has a pokey chip. I probably emulated, I imagine, on the adapter itself. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. So basically, any game that supports Pokey will be supported here. And I tested that out. I played Commando. I played Ball Blazer, and nice. both have enhanced sound. Um, one other cool little feature of this is that um, you can. I had one SD card, and I thought maybe I'd have to have multiple SD cards for each system. Yeah. Nope. You just do a subdirectory. I have a subdirectory for Vectrex, subdirectory for 7800, subdirectory for Intellivision. All works the same. Yeah, I mean, you literally have a little file browser and with, for each system, right? You just kind of go and dig through the contents, no matter what's yep. in there. Yep. The, now, I will tell you this. The menu isn't pretty, which it doesn't have to be. Nope. But you just go in there, you go through the subdirectory, you pick your game, you you launch it, and you're you're in the game. So... Very simple. So Vectrex and Television 7800, but this thing has, like, I wanted to find the um, the list of the cartridges that it has. Let me see here. So Acetronic, I don't even know what that is, Amstrad CPC, Apple II, Atari 2600, 5200, 7800, and 400, 800XL, Bali, the Bali Astrocade. Astrocade. Commodore 16 plus four. Commodore 64, a straight one and a right angle, Vic 20, ColecoVision Atom, Emerson Arcadia Epic Super Cassette Vision, Fairfield Channel F, IBM PC Jr., Interon, Magnavox Odyssey 2, or Philips Video Pack, Mattel Aquarius, Intellivision, MSX 1 and 2 mm-hmm. with SCC emulation. Nice. RCA Studio 2 and 3, Sega Master System, Sinclair ZX81, which yes. you have. Cody. Yes. TS1000, Soundic MPT03, I don't know what that is, Tandy Coco 2-3, TI994A, Timex Sinclair 2068, the Vectrex, and the ZX Spectrum. All the things. So you could use one cart to rule play. them all. Rule them all one cartridge and you just buy the adapters. You know, why isn't this thing more popular than it is? I don't know. So far, what I've tested works flawlessly. There's no I have, and you no have three. Issues. You have three adapters have, at this point. I have three adapters at this point. I thought about getting the Vic 21. But the thing is, when I play a Vic 20 game, I want the memory upgrades. And you can't do that because it takes up the cartridge slot. So hmm. okay, you're okay. That makes sense. So and this yep. the, the Vic twenty doesn't do the memory upgrades. Her, her, the version on the back bit doesn't do the memory upgrades. Gotcha. So that I I, I just dude I, I I don't know why this isn't more popular. Plus she has a forum on Discord where or I'm sorry not on Discord on her website where just answers any questions you have. So if you have any questions at all, you just go on there and answer it. I, I don't know. Backbit Pro cartridge. Go to backbit.io. You can take a look at this cartridge. It, it's a multi-cart for any system. You have an 8-bit system. Just go check it out. I, I think it's amazing. It is. 
Very, very cool. That's that's my two cents. I've been enjoying it. I played the Intellivision and the Atari 7800 games this month. Yep. For our Battle of the System. I played both of them on real hardware using this cartridge. And the Vectrex is working for you well, too? And the Vectrex works brilliantly. That's awesome. Awesome, awesome. I'm, I'm curious about this one. Yeah, so so Eric, I bought a thing and I wrote on my yes. notes here MSX one and two related. Okay. Um I was hoping to get it earlier so I could talk about it on the show better. Yeah. But it literally arrived two hours before one hour, one or two hours before we were able to hop on here and start recording these episodes. <laughs> awesome. But what I got, Eric, was a back bit cartridge. Oh, <laughs> Uh, and I went a bit nuts, and let me explain, Eric, because yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think there might be one thing you are not aware of yet, which I'm going to hopefully teach you about. Yes, yes. I'm excited please. about. So literally, still in the bag, haven't put, put it into a system yet, but you sold okay. me on it last time, and I'm like, there's no reason I can't get this. So when I bought it, like you said, when we when you buy it, you're allowed to you get one cartridge. It's 129.99. Yep. And included with it, you get one inverter or converter. Yes. So I wanted to get. Um, the most expensive one I could included with it because it doesn't add to the price. That's a that that's what I should have done with the seventy eight hundred. That's what I should have done. Yep. So seventy eight hundred. That's the yep. one I got with it. Good. That one works great. I also got my MSX. Okay. Inverter with the SEC chip because, like I said, there's a lot of games, specifically disc large disc games, I can't get working with my current solution from msx yep so we'll see how this works um yep. may or may not work i don't know but odyssey 2 nice which that's is, gonna be, be that's beautiful which is another one that i got with the jack on the side for the added voice that you can get for odyssey yes. to make it talk okay and then what you might you, this is what i think you might not know about do you know what all these are no what is that so I showed you all the carts, like all these carts that have special chips, right? The SSE chip, the, the Odyssey 2 voice chip, the yep. Atari 800 Pokey chip. Yes. The rest of them are, have uh, inverters. Okay. Uh, are, they're just literally pin-to-pin conversions, right? Yes. And I think they were 29 bucks a pop. Okay. I don't know if you noticed on there, there's a selection you can click that says, I want to get the DIY version of the cart. Yes, yes, I did see that. So I've got six other carts in here. All I need to do is solder the 20 pins to each one of these. So for nine bucks each, I got the Apple II. I got the Amstrad. I got the Sega Master System slash SG100. I got the... uh, What else did I get in here? I got... Man, I can't... She has like three-letter acronyms for these things. The ColecoVision. Yeah. Um... The ColecoVision is one I've thought about getting. So, In fact, it'd probably be easier if I looked at the uh, piece of paper that came with this stuff. That get- Anyways, I got a... Oh, here it is. Packing slip. Um, so yeah, MSX, Odyssey, Apple II, Commodore 16 Plus 4, because for $9, why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> um, the ColecoVision Atom, the Intellivision, the Atari 400-800 XLXE. And the Sega. So that is amazing. Ten systems right there. And uh, and I get to take six of them and, and have a little solder project, which I just love doing anyways, because 
Yeah. They're big solder pads. I mean, if you have level one ability of soldering, this is going to be a doable job. What I do like about the printed circuit boards that she makes, all of them, they literally have right on the circuit board what what system it's for. Yep. As well as a version direction of writing on there that says put in like wrong way. Do not insert this direction. And tr- trust me, for systems like the Vectrex, yeah, like you don't want to put that in backwards. There is no, it's not keyed in any way. Yep. That that's that's awesome, man. I'm glad you. <laughs> yeah. So I jumped on the band right. You and you you sold me on it, but here's these just adapters I get to play with. Yes. So. I'm excited about doing it. In fact, I was trying to like hurry up and see if I can get my soldering iron out real quick so I could play diner on the Intellivision before the show. Right. Couldn't do it. But couldn't um, do it in time. Now the Amstrad, you didn't have you don't you didn't really have a solution for the Amstrad, did you? I do, actually. I I do have a solution, but it's not plug and play. It is a Wi Fi thing you put in the back. Uh, Tim hooked me up with it. And you have to like connect it wirelessly to your network on your Amstrad and then pull up a separate piece of software on your PC and then wirelessly transmit the games over. Oh, yeah. It's like this. I can just drop them on the cart, plug it in. You just drop it on the cart and plug it in. Now, Nine with bucks. the MSX, I did hear that um, she is constantly working on updates to the MSX. Like it will work, especially cartridge Im- images will work right away. But disk images, if they're multi-disc, there's like a funky way to do it. Most disk images will work. I mean, you're going to have to go on the forum if you have any issues and just ask some questions, but they should work. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, anything larger than a certain file size, I can't get to work, period. So okay. even if it allows me to do 20% more games, I'll be happy. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. That no, is I'm really stoked. cool. I got a little solder project ahead of me. I really look forward to breathing in solder fumes. Not and, to mention uh, as many systems as you have, as we have, having yeah. one cartridge with an e- one SD card is going to be amazing. To rule them all. Yeah, that's yep. going to be cool. Now, one thing I don't understand yet, Eric, and maybe you yes. can help me out. Most of my cartridges, let's see, the Odyssey 2 has it, the 7800 has it, Yeah, has these little pin grabbers. Yep. What so does those, that do? All, all, you don't need those, first of all. You okay. don't need them. But what they do is if you plan on keeping the cartridge in there, like semi-permanently, you can attach those little clippers. And again, they're they're removable. They're not permanent. Yeah. They just hook to the reset line. So when you hit the button on top of the cartridge, see that little red button? Yep. If you hit that little button, it'll reset the... Some consoles don't have a cartridge pin that resets it. They have to go to a special other thing that you clip those to. So, okay. like so it just turns that, tracks, it turns that button into back. a reset for the whole system rather than just the cartridge. Yep, and it just takes you back to the menu. Instead of resetting the system, it'll take you back to the game menu so you can quickly change games. Gotcha. Okay, cool. But, but nice I to have, have it those, as an option. Like my Vectrex has one of those, and I never hooked it up because I can just turn the Vectrex off and then back on again. Yeah. That's cool. awesome. So we're, we're backbit bros. We are, and... Uh, I'll tell you how the DIY thing works out, but I mean, if I was going to go on there and pay again twenty nine bucks for one cartridge plus shipping, I might as well throw in some nine dollar DIY and have yes. another option for all these systems. Uh, in fact, there's one you just read off that I didn't get, and I'm kicking myself. I can't remember which one it was you just read off, but I'm like, man, I should have got that one. Why did I get that one too? Um, yeah. 
the channel okay. F probably because even though mine kind of works, it doesn't fully work. It shows yeah. an image on the screen with kind of gameplay, but I don't know. Maybe I'll get it working one day. Super cool. Uh, yeah. So I, I do have a Pico 8 update. <clears throat> I've been going through a little Pico 8 phase. Yes. But um, one game I've been playing a lot, and my I got my daughter hooked on this game, um, Cosmic Collapse by um, Johan. What's his last name? P. Pet. I don't have it in front of me, so I can't think of his. Yeah. Johan Peitz. Peitz. That's right. I don't wanted to, pr- I wanted to pronounce that right. Johan Peitz has come out with a game, Cosmic Collapse. And then after about, I think a, just a couple of days, he released an update to the game because there are things that you found, Cody, that broke the game. I mean, yep, I've been playing it as well. Yeah, you didn't deliver those to him, but I mean, other people did, and, yep. and he jumped right in there and fixed them all. But this game is really, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You basically are dropping planets from it's a falling, the top. falling block puzzle game, first of all. I mean, that's yep. the genre. It's a falling block puzzle game where you are dropping planets, and if they match the planet you drop them onto, they expand with a lot of kinetic energy into a larger planet. And then you just keep merging these planets until two little meteorites become a moon, two moons become an earth, two earths become a Venus, two Venuses become, you know, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and you get more and more points, the bigger the orbs you can actually are. You make a sun and then the sun turns into a black hole and then, it just keeps going up and up. But as you do this, you get more and more points. But of course, as the planets stack up, if you're not matching them, they reach a line near the top of the screen. And if you exceed that line, the game's over. So you're trying to clear planets away. Now, while you're doing that every so often with points, you get a nuke, which is like a missile. Mm-hmm. And then you can nuke an entire planet so that you can you free have up little, space below it. Little crosshairs. You pick one orb out of your yep. screen and destroy that one planet. Yep. And you get no points for it, but it can get you out of a sticky situation or help you make a whole bunch of combos happen at once. What I love about this game is the physics. I love how the planets move around. Sometimes they will literally rotate around the screen based on how yep. much weight they're exerting on each other. Um, I just think that is the neatest thing. Um, he really has a fun game here. I mean, it, again, it's a Pico 8 game. It's not going to, you know, it, it's it's a Pico 8 game. It's a very, it's a simple, fun, beautiful game. I mean, I think the graphics on this are probably one of the best on the Pico 8. Um, just a lot of fun. I, I, I've had a blast with this game. They're simple graphics. I don't know if they're technically the best, but they look good. But I think you're right. It's all about the physics that are built in here, especially when you have a couple planets that are close to each other, but not quite touching. So you try to drop something heavy on it and you're hoping it like pushes it far enough down to touch the other planet. Cause if it yep. does, they'll become one planet and pop and then everything else will fall on each other. And it creates this cascading effect. And yeah, no, this game is a whole heck of a lot of fun. I put hours into it already. And, um, it's Did simple. You grab the but new update. Did you grab I, the new update? I did because of like, again, what you said, I remember seeing yeah. your daughter's high score and then I started playing it and like, I got to a point where I couldn't lose. There was nukes. I had so many extra nukes that I couldn't use that they actually went off the screen. And then my score got so big, it went off the screen. I'm like, this can't be, 
I mean, this is broken. Yes. And that's when he said, yep, it was, and he already fixed it, dummy. And I'm like, yep. oh, okay. So you've played the new one, so at least some of it's fixed. I um, played the new one, and uh, yeah, it's definitely just the limit of how many nukes you get helps a ton because there's actually an end of the game. <laughs> correct, yep. So, um, no, I, I've been, my daughter loves this game. I love it. And we've been playing it a ton. Um, and Johan's done it again. I've never seen a game like this on Pico. So it, to it, to me, that's unique. I mean, it's something very unique. Uh, there is a game like this called combo pool where you're like shooting pool almost. And then when you hit another ball, they, they merge and turn into a bigger one, but the physics is completely different. Yeah, I'll talk, we'll talk more about that later on the show, Eric. But what I will tell you that we haven't yeah. pointed out is we were kind of almost making fun of this last month. Yeah. And, and not this game, but this concept of paying for a Pico 8 game. Correct. You yeah. have to buy this game with money. Yes, you do. Uh, so we both bought it, or I, I take it back. Uh, Johan reached out, and it happened to be on sale, and that's where you... I think bought it and turned me on to this game. So correct. Um, it was, so I don't know if it's still on sale or not, but I was going to say we both bought it at full price. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's yeah, go, go get this game. I mean, if, if you like falling block puzzle games, like Tetris, like, um, you know, they're not always falling in this case they are, but like bust a move, like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, any of those games, this is definitely worth your time. Now I do wish it had, some other modes besides just like, you know, high score mode. I wish there were some missions and I think those things could be added, especially if you're going to pay for it to be yeah. completely upfront. Um, so I think that would be cool. It'd also be really fun to see a version of this game. This should be a bigger ask, but which is two players playing against each other. That where, would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Throw stuff in the other screen and it goes back and forth. Yep. So, and by the way, you don't have to play this on Pico eight. You can download this. There is a Windows and Mac and Linux version of this game. Now that you say that, I remember that. Cool. Yep. Very cool. So the other two games, these will be quicker because I haven't played these yet, but they do look really cool. One is called Pico Haven 2, which is supposed to be based on Gloomhaven, the board game. Okay. Um, he, He did a game called Pico Haven, and then now he's come out with a second game called Pico Haven 2. Um, I haven't even played Gloomhaven, the board game. I think you have it, don't you, Cody? Uh, I have a version of it, but I haven't played the full the full okay. game. So I also, that haven't, one's like I also that. haven't played the version I have. <laughs> yep. I don't. I need somebody who wants to put that much time into a game with me. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sad. Oh, I gotta put that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yogurt. And then the other game, which I think is going to be fun, and hopefully you can find this one, is called Abysmal Ascent. I've, I actually played some of this. Oh, did you? And, and I haven't played enough to give my opinion one way or another, but it is um, Abysmal Ascent is a Pico 8 game where you are falling, not falling, but you're going up the screen right? Yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of the games like Downwell where you fall and shoot downwards. This one you're That's right. climbing upwards. Climbing upwards, but it has these cute little sprites, but it... Like micromages. Like, like micromages, exactly, but then there's like blood coming up from the bottom, or I don't know if it's blood, but it's red fluid, maybe A it's flood. lava, I don't know. Of some sort, yeah. 
But you need to move up the screen constantly and you need to keep moving up. This person who's whoever playing this isn't doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> but you need to move up the screen and, and while you're going, you can collect these little things to get extra points. Um, I think the game looks really cool. I haven't played it a ton yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Have you? Did you play this? I played it a little bit and I love the concept. I have to admit that I'm it's so easy to fly up where you don't see anything and hit something that I just got so frustrated. Like I did, I couldn't enjoy it, Uh, but it's it's definitely well done. I think the right personality, or if you put enough time into it that you get to know how the procedurally generated levels work, you'd probably get better at it, but uh, it definitely looks cool. It looks like micro mages, but you're kind of like jetpack meets micro mages. Yeah. So, that's it for my Pico 8 report this month. My last item and the last item for our catching up. Cody, what was that company where you bought your Commodore 64 power supply? Because I looked them up and they didn't seem to be in business anymore. Was that Commodore Forever? Was that Commodore Forever? Commodore Forever. Let's see. And I do think here's Commodore Forever. Let's see. If oh, they maybe still- they are in business. Maybe I, I probably botched the name, but... um. I could not find any more Commodore 64 power supplies and I needed one. Uh, My, my last one, which I used all this time. I never used a third party one. I only used, I used a Commodore 128 one from back in the day, but I had an adapter that went to my Commodore 64. Okay. Um, But I see right there, there's your Atom one. Yep. So this is the one I have. And it says says out out of of stock. So yep. I think that's what I did is I went here because I wanted to just get what you had. Like you, you, it, it works for you. I wanted to get it. Boom. Out of stock. Yep. So I went looking for one and I did find a company called Retro Power. Um, and I got a new Commodore 64 power supply. It's called Retro Power PSU. It's got this pretty cool little, uh, like box that it comes in with this LCD on the front screen on it. Yeah. Um, but this, this, the cable, the Commodore cable becomes detached. You can detach that part. Okay. Um, it looks like a very rugged one. I tested it mainly, um, the Commodore 64, I've been using my ultimate 64 a lot. So I, I haven't, didn't really need it, but I have a Vic 20 that I want to use the penultimate cartridge from future was eight bit. The penultimate two, the penultimate (laughs) two plus. Yes. Um, and my Vic 20, the one that I got at legacy games, that was a positive story, um, where I, where I got something and it got it dirt cheap because, and it was an easy fix. It didn't work, but I fixed the Vic 20, but it takes the five pin power supply. Yes. Boom. Grabbed it. And now my Vic 20 and C64 work just fine. But yeah, that's it. The retro power PSU it's key log and I got it on eBay. So okay, I was going to say that. That website didn't work. This one did. Okay. Yep. There we go. Yep. That's the one I got. And is it working pretty well? Clean screen and everything? Clean screen. No ripples. Um, it nice. seems to work great. I tried it on the VIC-20. I haven't tried it on C64, but the VIC-20 is actually the much more sensitive computer. Okay. Um, I don't know if the circuitry or whatever is more sensitive in the VIC-20, but even with my old power supply, I'd get ripples on the screen, you know, but this one clean, very clean screen works works great so very cool and they make power supplies for just about everything on here it looks like yep a lot of c64 128 plus four amiga atari spectrum sinclair ti-99 coleco oh wow i didn't know they had that many coleco vision eric oh 
That's clean actually, up that. that's pretty handy. Yep, even with that little attachment right there. You should have thrown that into your order. I don't know how much it is, <laughs> but that's a very unique power supply you're not going to be able to get in a whole lot of places. So, Nope. Very cool. cool. Yeah, so anyway, that's, that is my catching up for the month. And that is our catching up for the month, Eric. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. In two shakes of a lamb tail, I'm going to be back with our next beer for the episode. Yep. And we are back with some beers now. Yes. And this is one you picked out. Uh, was this one me or was this from Tim? I don't know. I don't even remember now. I'd feel bad if it was Tim, but uh, I think it is me. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's me because it says independent certified brewers. That's very American. So, yeah, it was me, guys. Uh, this one is brewed by Mother Earth Brew Company in Vista, California and Nampa, Idaho. I guess it's a, a a dual effort here, but it is called Milk Truck Latte Stout. Oof. So it's about 11 p.m. right now. We're about to drink some coffee. That's right. Perfect. That's smart. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and crack this bad boy. Now, this is a normal 12-ounce can. That's right. Which is rare on our show. We usually go for the tall boys. Yep. Uh, 5.8% by alcohol, so still a solid... Uh, ooh, it smells good. And that smells like coffee. It does it? That's, I mean, it smells like coffee. Oh, geez. That is coffee. <laughs> we should have had this first. We really Cody! should. I, wait. <laughs> no, I, I, that was me. I blew it. <laughs> we, I think we both agreed together. Oh, yep. It smells good, we, though. I do love coffee. We should have had this, what, like five hours ago? <laughs> well, maybe we need it because I'm getting kind of tired. So let's go ahead and take a sip of this bad boy. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. Mm. It smells great. I will say that. Milk truck, latte stout. And it says vanilla, coffee, lactose, and oats. I like all those things. All right. I already had a sip, so I'm going to let you take a sip. Did you take a sip? Uh, I haven't yet. Okay. Nope, not take yet. a sip. Here we go. This is the most coffee-like beer with coffee in it I've ever tasted. Yeah, I think you're right. This tastes like I'm drinking coffee. Yeah, which isn't bad. Not bad. This is delicious. No, no, this is great. It's almost like a dessert, too. It has a definitely sweetness to it. I think that vanilla is coming out. Yeah, it's like if you went to, um, not a Starbucks, but like a local roaster that has yeah. kind of that almost a green coffee, Okay, but then got it with like uh, the liquid sugar and cream. Yeah. But somehow it's a beer. <laughs> Ugh. Oh my gosh, it's working. I would, say, I would say it's equal parts. Like, if someone, if they told me I just literally poured a half a Guinness and a half of a, uh, that coffee I just mentioned together in a glass cold, I'd believe you. Yeah. That's good. I, 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 I like it. It's very, very good. This would be, yeah, this is definitely like where that lemon, the wheat, lemon wheat ale. <clears throat> was a nice solid summer beer. This would be a definite winter beer. Coffee, vanilla, oats, stout. Yeah. I mean, I could see it drinking this all the time. This is just good cold milk coffee. <laughs> yep. And it, it almost has a little slight, um, 
God, almost like a, uh, what was I thinking? Um, imagine a glass of chocolate milk, but then with coffee poured into it. Yeah, like mocha. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's got, it does have kind of that kind of burnt coffee bean bitterness to it, but mm-hmm. it's the right but amount. But it goes with it. It's the right amount. It's not overpowering, but it's definitely yeah. also very prevalent. <sighs> a lot of coffee roasts that you drink do have that kind of bitter... This kind is, of a bitter undertone to it. This is excellent. Yep, this is great. Oh, shoot. This could be an issue. All right. 2000. So, 2000 uh, yeah, what are you going with here out of 2,000 pounds of dead leaves on my porch? I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with 1845. Yeah, I think I'm in the same ballpark because I, I I like it ever so slightly better than that lemon one we just had. It yeah. also might be the time of year, the time of night, but yep, I'm gonna go 1860. Man, I really like this. Good, good. Uh, it's good because one nice thing is this one I've seen it on the shelf. It's not a rare or hard one to find. Man, that's good. All right, well there we go. Uh, Eric, without further ado, it's time for us to delve into six good games. Six good games! As we noted earlier, we are talking about six good food games, and these are games with a food theme. Not like in the past where we said good games with frogs in them or dragons in them. These can't just be games with food in them. They have to be, the food has to be a major theme in the game. Yes. Uh, and we've got, I think we both tried really hard not to pick just common games. We could have picked Burger Time, obviously. We could have picked, um, uh, Pizza Tycoon. We could have picked, <laughs> there's a number of games that just, you know, Pac-Man, where you're just eating everything all the time. Um, yep. but we did not pick those things, did we, Eric? No, we did not. I tried to pick games that we hadn't played before that were new to me, um, and and it was challenging. It really was. We've covered a lot of games. We've been doing this show for a long time now. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. And I have not yeah. heard of this game you found, so I'm very excited to hear about it. Yep. So I, I'm on a Famicom kick. So I started looking at the Famicom library and trying to figure out a game. And I found a game called Pizza Pop with an exclamation point. So Pizza Pop. You know, no Famicom adapter now that you mention it for the bit, the back bit. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure she could do it. Why not? All right, anyway, yeah, sorry. Right. No, Pizza maybe Pop. I'll throw that out as an idea. Um, Pizza Com, or Pizza Com, Pizza Pop for the Famicom. Uh, let me pull up my, I, sh- I should have pulled up my notes like a professional here. Uh, let's see here. It, it's a game, yes. It's a game, yep. And it, I, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't easy. It wasn't the easiest finding uh, information about this game. Okay. One of the things that comes up a lot with this game is that there is a. It was never brought over to the U.S., so it really was on the Famicom. Now people have done translations uh, for the Nintendo because uh-huh. some of it is in. Japanese, but not a lot, not enough to really stop you from playing the game. Um, but one thing I constantly would come across is there was a mod to this game that made the main character um, made him Mario. So it became like a Mario game. Oh, a yeah, lot like of things were Super Mario's Mario 7. 
Yeah, but it was just like little little mods or whatever. But yeah. what this game is a platformer in which the protagonist must deliver pizzas to various dangerous locations in order to make enough money to buy his girlfriend an engagement ring. You know, there's really, something in the 80s with pizza. Yeah, like, I agree. Now, everything listen, was pizza related. I don't know what the big deal was, but everyone loved pizza in the 80s. Yep. Now, from for me... From the age of 14 to 25, I always had a job in pizza. Now, I had jobs in other things, too, because often I had two jobs at once. But from 14 to 25, I was always working some pizza job. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I I do tend to, like, look at pizza games and stuff like that with a different kind of eye because I was in that You've been this guy. You've had to attack cats while jumping over fences to deliver a hot pie. All the time, when all you, the time. When you worked in the pizza industry, did you call them pies? Yeah, did you did. really? Absolutely, <laughs> that's Absolutely. awesome. In <laughs> every place, and I've worked at Domino's, Godfather's, and Roundtable. I worked at three different pizza places. I enjoy one of those pizzas. Really, which one? <laughs> uh, Roundtable. Yeah, Roundtable's delicious. <laughs> um, and I've worked in every job: pizza maker, coupon door hanger. <laughs> um delivery driver did you swing supervisor. the sign out front yeah sign I, guy? yeah exactly no no i know it was never the spinning sign guy it was never that guy um but anyway um so so basically what it, this game is is a platformer by arc system works um and the publisher was jalico is that how do you pronounce that's that? how i've always said it Jalico, that's so that's what I'm going to say. Jalico. But basically, you're a pizza dude. You're running around. Um, one thing I, since I couldn't find a lot of information on this game, I kind of had to wing it. Um, you, when you're fighting normal enemies in this game, I was sitting there. You can swing your pizza. So the two buttons on the Famicom controller, one jumps, obviously. And the other one, you swing your pizza so that you can hit things. Um, and it was incredibly difficult Yeah. until I found out that you can jump on their head first to stun them oh, okay. and then you can hit them and they'll knock off the screen. So that's kind of a, I, I found that out kind of midway through my progress with this game. You basically though, um, a level starts with you talking to your boss. He tells you what kind of pizza to deliver. Um, and you go and you deliver it and, in the levels, you jump on people's head. Things are attacking you, trying to thwart you. Meanwhile, you can come across these balloons that have the letter P on them. And when you swipe those, they'll drop something like either pieces of pizza or they'll drop like hearts, which are extra lives. And then on the bottom of the screen, there's the score. There's the number of hearts that are your energy. And there's a time limit on each level, which is pretty common for platformers of the time. Um, but you basically go through the level, defeat the enemies. You can stomp on their head to stun them. You pop the balloons and you get to the bosses at the end of the level. And the bosses are typical kind of Nintendo Japanese kind of bosses. There's a pattern to, to killing them or destroying them. And you have to learn their pattern and then you execute the pattern to defeat them. Uh, but they are challenging. They, the enemies do get to a particular challenge. You know, they get to a point where um, 
you you really have to pay attention during the game for the enemies. There's all sorts of different levels. Like this one's the conveyor belt level that you're watching. First ones are just cities where you're going. These cats will attack you from windows and things like that. It's a pretty typical platformer, but on a system like the Famicom or NES, where maybe you ran out of platforms to play because you played the Mario's and you played, you know, all the, all the games. This one I never heard of before, but it's no. a solid platform. This this game looks surprisingly good for a game I've never heard of. Yeah. It really does. Um, and it's creative. It's not just like a throwaway. Like, even like there's platforming levels, but there was like a speed bike level. And then there was like another level where you're jumping on crane hooks. Like, it's creative and graphics are really well done. Um, the, was the gameplay solid? I, I mean, it seems too good the to be true. The gameplay is solid. The controls are tight. The gameplay is solid. There's there's variety in the levels. You never see the same kind of thing twice. Um, I think you found a little diamond in the rough here. This is I, this is cool. And and the other thing I'll say about it is um, Jalico. I've never played a Jalico game I've liked. Really? <laughs> and this looks okay. really good. Like Jalico publishes some pretty terrible games. Yeah. Um, this looks really. One thing good. I'll say is that it is tough. But- yeah. Then the platformers on the Famicom are pretty tough. I mean, they, they can be. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to I'm not going to strike against it for being a tough game. A lot of Nintendo games are tough from this era, but um, I enjoyed this game. I had a lot of fun with it. And once I figured out the stun thing again, I didn't find a lot that I I didn't find a lot of instructions for this game. Man. So the other thing I'll say about the game is it it seems to. I, would, I wonder if it came after it must have come after or if it was even if it even stole code from or used code from the Battletoads game because oh it the, very the, very was, much looks like Battletoads was Battletoads a Jalico game no it was rare okay but it could have but I mean these still. speeder bike levels uh the jumps the shadows I mean so much about this the conveyor belts look like they do in Battletoads yeah um these bosses are super cool too. I mean, it's a cool game. Yeah, the bosses are really super cool. And I've been just on this Famicom kick, and this one is a Famicom exclusive. Like I said, there are translated versions for the NES, but the game I played the original one in Japanese because it it doesn't matter. The Japanese parts like this, like you're seeing here, yeah, they're not. No, it's, it's they're just little game. title yeah. screens. Although There's I nothing do, in the game that'll stop you from playing the original version. You can tell it's foreign just by the fact this particular playthrough has uh, subtitles. In level two, you're delivering a curry pizza. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I've never had a curry pizza in America, but uh, that apparently is a thing. There you go, curry pizza. No, there is. It is a thing, and and Cody you used to be a you used to be a citizen of Elk Grove. There's a curry pizza place on. Uh, Actually, I do know. I know what you're talking about. It's, uh, Indian food specifically, isn't it? That place off of uh, kind of where your dog brewery used to be? Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How about a fruit pizza? This next one, level three, is a fruit pizza. I haven't seen a, just an exclusive fruit pizza. Let's see what the... I'm, now I'm all excited about the pizza types. What's the next one? <laughs> Let's see what the next level is Thanks here. a lot, kid. Thanks a lot. And most of your pizzas go to construction workers, too, by the way. Well, they, they have to eat a lot. Ooh, they another, burn a lot of calories. This witch wants a Supreme pizza. I've heard of a Supreme. That's a thing. Yep. Cool. All right. Good find. 
this is a solid game, right? I mean, you should it give this a like shot. It, yeah. I think it, I think you'd like it a lot. But anyway, so that that is my first game, Pizza Pop. Well, I'm glad I have this game next because in a very similar vein, I also found a Japanese only Okay. Super Nintendo game this case. Oh, nice. Based around food. And it's a game, uh, much like yours, that when you see the gameplay, you'll be like, man, how have we not heard of this? And it was only released in Japan. Uh, and then the difference is, when you actually play it, it's an uh, okay game. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those games that when I saw it, I'm like, man, that looks great. And even watching the gameplay, it looks great. And then you actually play it, and you're like, okay, the controls make it n- not quite so great. This game is called Out to Lunch. Yeah. Um, you know, I should probably get some, some, some stats on this one. Let's see if it says anything here. Man, look at the, look at the parallax scrolling on this game. Yeah. Well, just I mean, the, it's a Super Nintendo, so it had, yeah, it had more of that, but yeah, yeah. But just the technical prowess in this game. I mean, the parallax scrolling looks amazing. So in this game, I'll, I'll get some more stats on it later here, but in this game, you are a chef, a little cute, looks like a young man chef with a big old chef hat. And for some reason, the beginning of every level, you open your fridge and your food has come to life and runs out of the fridge. And you need to use your like dog catcher's net to go catch the food, which is bouncing around on on the loose. Uh, Your food has eyeballs, too, by the way. So most levels have uh, mushrooms and a wheel of cheese and a large potato. Uh, And these things are just running around on these platform levels that are... Um, they're not single screen, although the game kind of plays like a single screen platformer. Yeah. But they might be three screens tall or three screens wide or a mixture of two. And you're just running around. It's a straight up platformer, uh, running around these platforms, uh, with your net trying to catch the veggies. And they're really hard to catch while they're running because they actually have some AI. They're actually, when you get near them, they run away from you. Otherwise they just kind of run back and forth and Really, the best way to do it is to jump on their head and stun them, very much like your game you were just talking about. And then you can catch them with your net, and then you go, you can catch as many as you want, and then you go to where uh, this kind of cage is on the screen. And when you run over the top of the cage, anything you've caught, it gets transported into the cage right there. Uh, If you've caught like seven different pieces of food and you get touched by another piece of food, you lose everything you've caught. So... It's kind of risk-reward in that you're trying to beat the level quickly for more points, but if you don't regularly take the time to go back to the cage and drop them off, you could lose everything that you've done. Uh, there is a timer, so if you don't collect everything in the time, you lose a life. And the levels are all over the place as far as the backdrops. Here you're kind of in uh, ancient, I would guess, China on the rooftops. There was just a sand level like you were on the beach. This is like a Amazon level. I mean, it looks like a solid game with lots of different sprites a lot going on here's an egg rolling away from me you got to catch the eggs um and then there's also uh like an evil chef who wears a black chef outfit and a chef cap that will pop up from time to time and we'll hear like an evil noise and go oh there's that the bad chef's around and you've got to uh jump on his head before he makes his way back to your cage and lets all the veggies out um it's bright it's pretty it's colorful it's yeah. called out to lunch never heard of it before it's even in english everything's in english um so so what keeps it from being a great game keeps it as a good game or i might honestly even say okay game but it was hard to find games that weren't already popular common knowledge um 
purely the the controls. So it does that Mario thing where if you just press left and right, you walk pretty slowly and you can't really catch any food. So you got to yeah. hold down the run button. And that makes you go really fast. And then there's that Mario-esque, um, uh, what do you call it, weight to your run or physics to your run where you don't stop on a dime. You kind of slow to a stop when you're yep. pressing the other direction. And you kind of have to get used to that. And in a game like this, I don't think it quite works as well as I wanted it to. Um, but, if, I mean, it's 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 one of these kind of... 16-bit versions of a classic game that could have been done on like the Atari 2600, uh, but to a much smaller extent, and yep. uh, it does it pretty well. And it's a fun concept, and it's food bouncing around. It's really uh, the characters are have a lot of uh, character to them. Um, it's creative, and it's got, if I remember correctly, it's got one song you hear the whole time, which is annoying. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. The, the, Things that look it looks very satisfying when you go to the cage and you drop all your stuff in and it kind of shows you the little score that's yep. up there. So that looks very like a very satisfying mechanic. The color palette looks like almost like an Amiga game. Like it's very bright colors, very um they they stand out very much. Mm-hmm. Um I'll still stand by the that I noticed the parallax scrolling. I mean, yeah, this the Super Nintendo is very capable of it, but you didn't see it like that. I mean that it, it it gives a depth a depth to a two D platformer that looks very good. Um, so I, I've never played this game before. I don't think I've ever heard of it. So you're you're right there. But it I think it looks fantastic. So I'm going to touch on something that I just learned, and I think you and I came to the same conclusion in different ways. Okay, you notice the parallax scrolling, and it yes. also has kind of the historically small Amiga. It looks like an Amiga game. It it looks exactly like an Amiga game, and I I I had never looked at this page that you're showing me yep. right now. And it was released on first the NES. Yep. It was released on the Game Boy and the Amiga and CD32. So yep. this very much makes me think. Um, and it was developed by Mindscape. I'm gonna see what else they they created, but I can almost guarantee this was designed on an Amiga by a European outfit because it feels that way because it looks great. It's exciting. It's got a lot of cool character animations, but the gameplay is lacking, and that seems to be a very Amiga trait, in my opinion, <laughs> and you've heard me say it time and time again. No, I'll, I'll give it to you. Like, Amiga platformers always look amazing. Yeah. They always look amazing, and they don't play great. And that's There are very ex- few Amiga platformers that I love because the gameplay... The, like, the feel of the gameplay. I wish, yep. I wish that was different. Now, what I would say is if this game is on the Amiga... Well, it is on the Amiga, so you and I have to go try it now. This should probably be one of my favorite Amiga platformers, for that matter, because it actually is something worth playing, which a lot of them I just can't handle. Yeah, um, I mean, this says it's for the CD32 <laughs> as well. There, That, that must have meant it says that the Amiga there was a separate version of CD32. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to have to give this a try. So I guess I think the the way it was named uh, over the pond is Pierre Le Chef is dot 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 out to lunch <laughs> pierre le chef is dot 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 out to lunch there's the name of it right there oh you know what i played the game boy version of this game Have and i really? talked about it on the show really okay yeah because i, I was that. just looking at my twitter feed from a couple years back and someone noticed that i was playing the game boy version 
Um, and they were like, Hey, why is that in color? Oh, that's and funny. I was like, because I got a ROM hack that colorized it, which was pretty popular. I'm going to type Game Boy because I want to see this. Yep. So there it is on the Game Boy. And I had played this and I had mentioned it in one of my segments out to lunch. Yeah, that um, version is called you, Pierre Le Chef is out to lunch. Yep. But if you, again, if you look at this in an alphabetical list, it's not under O usually. It's under P for Pierre because yep. the, the chef name. And I'll be honest. I mean, the, the color version looks better, but the gameplay looks better on the Game Boy version. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, there is a colorized hack of this for the Game Boy Color. Oh, but the Game Boy one, you can throw Pepper instead of Jump on them. You see that? That's right. It's a little different. Yep. So it's a little more Snow Bros. Yep. Interesting. But see, you still drop stuff in the cage. Yep, for sure. Look, it's, it's all coming full, full circle. Yep. <laughs> pretty cool. All right. Another- I didn't know there was a Super Nintendo version. That's pretty amazing. Another Famicom game from Eric, huh? Another Famicom, another 8-bit Nintendo one from this. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This isn't my best pick. Yeah, well, that was my last one as well. So we're even. <laughs> the whole reason that I wanted to pick this game, which is called... Because of the name that I've always been drawn to and I don't know why. Yep. What is nuts, it? Nuts and Milk. Nuts These and Milk. Nuts. What a weird comment. Like, okay, is Nuts and Milk a thing? Like why I don't is think so. I've heard of this I game really and I'm like, is that so. there's something about it's like almond milk or there's something about it that makes me like makes me salivate. Like for some reason that sounds good, <laughs> but I don't know how they go together or what food item or drink this is. What is nuts yeah, it and milk? Yeah, makes no sense, right? Anyways, so, continue on. So, but but when I did pick this game, I, I really picked it for the D's nuts jokes. Yeah. But <laughs> the truth is, you know. Um, it's a it is an entertaining game and it has a lot of really interesting and neat mechanics. Um, the game is by Hudson Soft. Um, the game came out in 1983. The game ca- has an MSX version that is totally different. Same game, Hudson Soft, but it is a 2D game. Um, like it's it, it's not like a platformer like this. It's it's top down. Oh, okay. I very think- interesting, very strange, but but true. The MS MSX version has a thing that is a top down, almost like a maze. It looks almost like a Pac Man game. Okay. Um, but this is the this this is the version that you're showing that I played on the Famicom. Um, it is a puzzle platform game. Um, you are a um, even though it's called Nuts and Milk, right? Uh-huh. It you are it follows the story of a pink male blob. Yeah, that's all they call it is a blob named Milk. And so you can see in this um, in the screenshot above that Milk is your your lives are Milk because you are the blob named Milk. That's which the is weirdest very odd. weirdest concept here. Um, yep, and he must find his fiance Yogurt. Yo- yogurt. Oh, I got a thought. I, oh. oh shoot, I did it wrong. <laughs> oh shoot! I keep missing. Yogurt. Go. Got yogurt. It. His fiance is named Yogurt and is a similar pink blob with red hair bow, and rescue her from nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, a teal blob who also vies for her affection. Um, this is very popular. So basically, yep. So basically, what you're doing in this. It, so let me just summarize this game. 
the 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 palette and the graphics look a lot kind of like Bubble Bobble, but the gameplay is more like um, almost like Load Runner, where the enemies are chasing you around the screen. Load Runner meets Popeye. Yeah, Load Runner meets Popeye, and then almost like Donkey Kong because there's a little yeah yeah door up there where like the door opens and she the. the the only way you can open the door to get her is to collect all the items on the screen. They're like little pieces of food, like bananas and fruits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Once you collect all the things like apples, tomatoes, whatever they are, I think they're apples, bananas. Once you collect them all, the door opens for her in a little house. And then you have to run up there and, and say merge hi with her as blobs do. And, and then it moves to the next level, right? Well, there's a couple of things that are odd. You, you can only jump in this game. Um, when you go up the ladders or you're on a level that is ladders, you can't jump. You can only jump on solid surfaces like bricks. Um, you basically are going around the level, just trying to collect all the fruits to open, unlock the doors and you're avoiding nuts. So you're milk, you're avoiding nuts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Naturally. you're trying to save yogurt. Um, there is a timer that runs down, but it doesn't end the level. It just reduces your bonus. So, um, you, you know, you can take as much time as you need on the level. Um, I, I found this game to be a lot of fun. It is difficult. It gets very difficult. It's a puzzle platform game where you really need to figure out the the kind of things to get in the right order or whatever. If you fall from a certain height, you will get stunned. Um, and the whole screen shakes when you get stunned. Yeah. And then the only way to get out of that being stunned is to jump. There are these little like spring action platforms so that you can jump to higher levels and you have to get that just right. When you jump on that, you have to hit the jump button at just the right time activates the spring levels. Um, other than that, it's a very colorful and fun little platformer. I mean, watching somebody else play it looks excellent, to be honest with you. But yeah, I'm sure it's uh, more difficult than this gameplay is letting on. But So you say it's not your best pick. Is it an okay game or is it... It doesn't follow like it's not um, as food themed okay. as I wanted it to oh, be. I, think so. I just like that it was called I, Nuts I, and Milk. I thought it was a cool name and it's a game I haven't heard of before. Oh, I've definitely heard about it. Every time I hear about original NES games, typically on the Famicom, because I don't know how popular it was on the NES, but in the Famicom, I think it was one of the early titles. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it, but I've never played it. In fact, I think I've played the MSX version of it. The MSX version is is very unique. You should you, you should check it out if you can pull up a thing. thing. Um, and it is stylized um, with the and sign instead of the word and. But mm-hmm. let's see if that'll come up. Yeah, there it is. The second one, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I remember hearing about this. I might have pulled it up on the MSX and gone like, wow, this is terrible. But the, the NES one looks good, or the Famicom one. I just find it, it, it unique that um, the same company, Hudson Soft, makes two games called Milk and Nuts, and they are um, they're, they're completely different games. Yeah, this game looks terrible, although you're still a blob named Milk with feet yeah you're still a blob named milk and you're kind of bouncing around a maze but it's definitely more of a maze game than a platformer yeah interesting so interesting right yeah and the graphics are okay same kind of idea though you avoid nuts yeah there's multiple nuts and you collect all the you collect all the fruit to end the level you don't have to actually go save yogurt though 
No, you don't. I love that it's food names. Okay. I think that was a great pick, actually. I think you did you done <laughs> you done did good here. All right. Here's my bad pick as far as keeping the food thing. All right. Okay, good. Okay. Well, I'm, gonna t- <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one. <laughs> well, let me tell you the genesis of this game. So here's the backstory behind this game. I looked it up. Okay. So you are a farmer and you have or a farmer, a uh yeah, you're a farmer. And you have a lot of fruit orchards. Hen- okay. Hence food, right? Yeah. So you've got oranges, you've got bananas, you've got all kinds of fruit trees, and alien spiders come down from outer space and start terrorizing your orchards and trying to destroy your fruit. So you must okay. fight them off. That's fruit-based. I mean, that's food-themed. Exactly. So this is the storyline behind a game I grew up on, probably my most played, maybe my favorite Atari 2600 game of all time, Spider oh, wow. Fighter. Okay. Yeah. So Spider Fighter is a game that... Outside of what I, I just told you, pretty much has nothing to do with food, except that each level, <laughs> the fruit in the corner changes, and okay. the enemies are trying to steal that fruit off of your screen. If you want, and this was, this is a game that came out, obviously, back in the day. It looks like it came out, is there a, um, is there a specific, to, ooh, there's a commercial. Let's watch the commercial. Yay! Here, there's a, here we go. Ooh, Spider Fighter. We're looking at the game cartridge. Oh, we're going to plug it in, turn it on, and everybody in the theater is watching the action of Spider Fighter on the screen. See, they used to show actual gameplay. So this came out in 1982. 1980, okay. The commercial here and is 83. A, and it's an Activision title made by Larry Miller. See, I loved it. when Back when one person made the entire game. Yep. Spider Fighter. All right. So anyways, it's a shooter. You're on the bottom of the screen, and you're shooting up. But it is extremely fast-paced with a lot... I would call it a bullet hell, Eric. I would almost call this a bullet hell. Yeah. Uh, back in 1982. Definitely. And it's funny because you kind of look and you have fruit in the top right corner and enemies in the top left corner. And that stuff is supposed to show you how many there are left. But at the same time, the actual enemies start by falling off of that screen in the top left and becoming... In, they hop into the, the gameplay area. Yeah. And those enemies kind of start releasing different... They're almost like really fast UFOs that released slower aliens that shoot at you. And they change forms. I don't know how to explain it except for watching. It's super fast-paced. I mean, we literally just watched 10 levels since I started talking. Yeah. Um, and you just shoot all the things, avoid being shot. And if you wait long enough, they will go t- up the right side of the screen slowly and grab your fruit and try to walk off with it. Kind of like, um, what game did we play where they where they actively like grab your your stuff and run off with it. Oh man. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name. Yeah. So anyway, it's, it's super fast paced. It is, um, on it, honestly, it's repetitive. When you get shot, this little rainbow flashes on the screen and you hear this. And like, I just remember that from my childhood. So there's a lot of nostalgia based on this. Uh, but let's talk about a game that's just fast paced, tons of bullets. Um, very tense and if you do it quick enough and save all your fruit you get a bonus and you move on to the next level which has um a bar at the top of the bottom of the screen that change color your fruit changes color so we just went from oranges to grapes and there's bananas and there's other fruit uh there's strawberries um it's it's a, a solid quick fast shooter but like all atari 2600 games um it's it it doesn't change a whole lot so there you go there's spider fighter 
I've never heard of this game. So this is awesome. I mean, this is another 2600 game. Activision always made solid 2600 games. They made the best 2600 games. Yep. And I have my Um, original copy from when I was a kid. Oh, do you? Yep. See, that's awesome. Yeah, my original. This game looks great. I'm going to give it a shot for sure. Yeah, you should. Um, It's going to drive me crazy now that we don't remember that game. It was a game where they would grab the fruit and they would go to the right side of the screen and they would go up. Do you remember that? Yep. But I don't remember what game that was. We just talked about a couple episodes ago. No, I love it. We're we're watching a a YouTube video that's all old Atari commercials from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and it's an hour and seven minute long. I I could probably just sit and watch this. Yeah, this is this is where like in your game room you just put it on the TV and you just let it running on infinite. Oh, that's a good call. That should that should be a thing. There was a channel. There was a channel that just showed old commercials, video game commercials, um, not just for the 2600, but for any of them. And it was like a four hour YouTube loop. And I always thought it would be cool to just put a TV in your game room that just did like a continuous loop of commercials for video games. That would be awesome. After you replace all your Raspberry Pi twos with the new fours that just came out, you just, yes, or fives now, the fives now. Yeah. And we'll just turn that into a little video player. Perfect. Yep. Uh, we've got one more each, Eric. That's right. One more each. So so here's my next one. <clears throat> I didn't pick this one. Okay. This game is picked by my children. Okay. They both played this game and all their friends played it. And everyone in my neighborhood played it. It's called Papa's Pizzeria. <laughs> more pizza. Uh, again, another pizza game. Um, this game is just one, the first one of a whole Papa Louie restaurant time management game series. A lot of food games, by the way, I have to point this out, are, are a time management efficiency game. So it's like become the food thing. That's right. And especially this game, which is on the web. So if you're listening to this, this sounds intriguing at all. You just look up Papa's Pizzeria. You'll find a website you'll go to, and it's like a flash game. Mm Mm-hmm. You just play this in a web browser, so there's no console, no game. But I will say that it does kind of have some retro bona fides in that the first one came out in 2007. So okay. this game's yeah. been this game's been out for quite a while. Um, what this basic game is is you are Roy, <clears throat> and you're running a pizzeria while Papa Louie is out. So Papa Louie runs this restaurant, then he's out. By the way, Papa Louie has Papa Louie's Creamery, um, Papa's... So this Creameria is, is the game, I think. He has a whole series of games that are based on time management and food creation. So there are a ton of these games out there. So if you like this one, but this was the original one. Um, the game takes place in Tastyville. Um, it came out in 2007. You're Roy and you're running the pizzeria while he's gone. Um, what you do in this game is there are four stations. You have to take the order. You have to make the order. You have to put the order in the oven and cook it. And then you have to deliver it to the customer. Oh, like you have to cut it up. <clears throat> yep. You have to cut it up when you take it out of the oven. That's the last stage is when you deliver it to the thing. You take it out of the oven. You have to cut it. And every... A whole customer wants their pizza cut in a different way. 
I want two so pieces you have of pepperoni to- on each slice. Yep, and you so you basically you you get these tickets that are on here, the Papa's Pizza ticket, and when you take the order, the ticket tells you how many pe- things to put on it, like eight. It tells you how long they want the pizza to be cooked. Wow! So like you can see the little clock down there, five minutes, ten minutes, I want, whatever. I want mine well done. Yep. So you would get like you know one that is like five or six, you know, little tick marks on the clock. So like 30 minutes long or whatever. And then they tell you how you want to cut it and you have to cut it the further away, like the, the further you screw it up, the less percentage that you get in um, your tip. So you basically, you just do that. Now it looks easy. You know, you guy comes in, you take his order, blah, blah, blah. But as the game progresses, um, the customer orders get harder and harder and more and more people come into the restaurant. So you have to switch stations constantly. Like you have to take the order. Then you have to like start making the pizza. But meanwhile, someone comes in the restaurant and if they wait too long, they get upset. And then if they wait way too long, they have to leave. They'll, they'll leave. And then you really get a demerit for that. Right? So you have to manage each station efficiently as it's going. And it becomes a very hectic time management game. Another really cool thing about this game is every customer is unique, but they're all known customers. So you will always see the same customers and they always order the same thing. Oh, okay. So as you see them walk in, you can kind of like, as you get to know customers, you'll get to know exactly what they want and how demanding they are. They may want that pizza done quickly in five minutes. They may want it cut in a specific way. You have to get to know your customers. And I think there's, if I remember right, and I don't remember the exact number, there's like 30 or 40 different customers, um, all unique with their, with a unique name, unique orders that they want to do. Um, uh, so anyway, when I asked my daughter about this game, I was like, Hey, so we're doing food themed games. And she's like, Oh, I used to play Papa's Pizzeria all the time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that. well, let me try that. And she's like, I was like, what was that on? Like your Nintendo, like your DS or something? She's like, no, it's on the web. And so like I looked it up. I didn't know anything about this game. And then I started it? playing it. Nice. And I really enjoyed it. And then I remembered my son played this game too. So way back, he played this game all the time with his fa- with his friends. I love it. That's cool. So anyway, this game's called uh, Papa's Pizzeria. It comes from a whole line of time management food games. There's a whole bunch of different ones. Um, it's definitely got that like Homestar Runner, runner look to it. That absolutely, that very uh, mid two thousands flash. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So, yeah, that's Papa's Pizzeria. That's my last pick. What's yours, Cody? Gotcha. Now, Eric, I'm hoping that I'm gonna blow. It blew my mind when I saw this game. Okay. I think it's going to blow your mind. So this game, uh, and not necessarily in the way you think, there was a game that came out on the Switch called mm-hmm. Suica Game. Okay. Suica Game. And it came out in, J- in Japan originally, if I remember the story right. It came out three years ago and was not successful at all. It was just a very small little indie game. It was $3 or whatever, okay. 3,000 yen, whatever it is. And for whatever reason, only a few months ago, this game started blowing up, and this became wow. shot up the charts, and yeah. you can buy it on the Switch today for $3. That's cheap. And it is a game, Eric, which I'll show you shortly here, 
where you have different foods that you drop into the top of a um, falling block puzzle game. Okay. And as the foods touch, they become larger foods. What? And everybody is addicted to this game. And um, let's see if I can find some gameplay here. You can already tell where I'm going here. So Suica game is Japanese, I guess, for watermelon game. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think you know where I'm going from here. But this is exactly, I guess there's a bunch of different clones of this game. One being Cosmic Collapse. Collapse, exactly. Cosmic Collapse. Yeah, it looks exactly like that. (laughs) So here we go. Now Now I've got the game up. Uh, and you can see it's all in Japanese and it's got these really cutesy little fruits that are, um, there's certain, it's kind of that Hello Kitty style, but with the, you would yeah. recognize if you saw it, my, my daughter knows the name for it. There's a name for this art style, yep. but here it is. I mean, this is the game that started it all, Eric. And, um, now here's what I'll say about this. It's done in, it's very Japanese looking. It's got this kind of soft, how do you describe that color palette that they use in a lot of Japanese stuff that Hello Kitty, like they're like if they if you took really bright colors but then muted them they're not yeah, pastel they're not pastels but they're like warm comfortable colors i don't know um, yeah um there's a name for it and i it's on the tip of my tongue um I, I get what you're saying. With super adorable sepia, little... Sepia, like almost like sepia tones. Yeah, something like that almost. Um, anyways, it doesn't matter. The point is, it is the game we were just talking about, Cosmic Collapse. It um, is. It's exactly and, like it, yeah. <laughs> and even if you go on Pico 8 and start looking up Suica game stuff, you'll see a whole bunch of other clones. And they'll start... Okay. Your mind will be like, oh, okay, I see it. They're everywhere. Uh, but like this is the original, and one of the things you'll notice is a lot of the games will have a little legend here for which to create the next fruit which create next yes. fruit, which create the next fruit. Of course, you learn them pretty quick and you don't need this, but, and of course it shows you what's coming up next, just like cosmic collapse. Uh, and then there's leaderboards, which is unlike cosmic collapse because it's not connected to a whole world of, of leaderboards. But, um, yeah. now here's what I'll say about this game. This game obviously started at all. It is $3. So it's less than a peak away game. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> And you're this cute little cat cloud at the top of the thing that you can draw. Now, this was the first game that created it all. So, that being said, I will tell you right now, Cosmic Collapse is by far the better game. Okay, okay. So, let's, let's, let's put that there right now. Um, yeah. This game, just like Cosmic Collapse, has no other features. It is just the game you play until you stop, and that's it. I, again, would wish they would put some modes and some things in here to expand on this i'm sure over time somebody will yeah. um with some version of the game so it, but this does a few things that drive me nuts first of all when you press left or right you don't stop at the edge of this uh, container you're dropping things in you just kind of flip over to the other side so it's really hard to get right up against the edge of the the glass yeah oh that's interesting okay but the biggest thing is the physics you'll see that in cosmic collapse there's this really fun weighted physics system in this game, everything just bounces everywhere all the time. Yeah, I can see that. My favorite part, and then you can see that things are always just rotating, even when there's nothing going on. They're just like in the middle of spinning. Yes. <clears throat> um, Cosmic Collapse is cool because there's a weightness to it, and those little tiny yeah, meteors have a lot of weight, but they're tiny, and the bigger stuff, some has more weight than others, and you kind of get to know it, and part of it is it's almost like... almost like a, there's a gravity to the planets. 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very cool. This game is just super bouncy and poppy. In fact, I played a version of this game uh, multiple times now, where two two of the fruits connected and popped a fruit up above. It popped so high it went above the edge of the container. Yes, and triggered a game end sequence for me, where it's like, oh, here's your score. I'm like, no, no, no. Like that wasn't stuck up there. That flew up there because the physics shot it up there. But that's not the end of the game. And it ended it on me. So this is actually quite a broken game, but I have to give the creator a lot of kudos for making a very addictive type of game. Uh, and I am hoping so, they update it. But So you feel like this was the first of this type of game? My understanding is this is the person who created this game. And again, it kind of sat out there for three years before it caught on. And now okay. everybody and their mom is playing it and copying it. Good. So there you go. So it's got some history behind it for sure. And it's all foods. Although some of these, that's a pineapple. I don't know what that is. That looks like some Japanese specific fruit. I'm not familiar with. I don't know what that is, (laughs) but, uh, cherries and strawberries and grapes and, um, yeah. Suiki game. Cool. That looks good. And that is six good games. Eric. Yes, it is. And that is Thanksgiving all done. Our bellies are full. And we look forward to December, the uh, the month of Christmas and giving and multiple other holidays. They all kind of have the hardest once. Pixel Guiding episodes to produce, though, at least to me. Because we've got Christmas and then we've got the year end episode, right? That's right. But, yeah, the year-end episode is the thing. As every year that goes by, my memory gets worse and worse, and I, I have a very hard time remembering. And we get I worse really, at taking notes. I, 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 I think I've said this last December. I was like, I'm going to create a board or something. I'm just going to take notes of all my favorite stuff. And like, I never did that. And you don't. <laughs> nope. Never did it. All right, sir. Well, Cool, man. Yeah. Well, hopefully next month, Tim will be here. I'm sure he will be. Uh, but you do have a tea time with Tim, so that's something to... At least we had that this month. We saw Tim in spirit, and uh, yeah, definitely look forward to everything the holidays have to offer, to talking about, I don't know, maybe Christmas games, maybe not. I think we kind of already went through most of those, so we'll have to get creative on, on what... Maybe games with snow, snow yeah. levels that aren't That's awful. actually a good... That's a great idea. It's not a bad one. Not a bad one, so... Um, any last things you want to point out? You want to say? Nope, I am I am good to go. I might have uh, like 10 different backbit reviews. Who knows? Exactly. I'm going to have to spend I, a day soldering. This will be fun. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're, I think the MSX is a much more challenging machine. So I'm eager to hear how you get along with that. Um, the three I have are pretty simple machines. And I've had a pretty easy time loading any ROM I wanted. I haven't had any real issues. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I, I did see on the forum that the MSX ones were a little more tricky, but for the most part, it should just work. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I'm definitely going to start with, well, I don't know what I'll start with. I mean, I've got, I've got three here that I don't, I don't have to put together. I've got the Odyssey two, the MSX and the 7800. So, uh, I'll probably start with those just because they're already ready to go. I just plug them in and play. So, yep. Uh, but awesome. I'm, I'm excited to get the soldering iron warmed up and, um, by my math, I have 40, roughly 200 solder points to do. So I love solder <laughs> projects. They're fun. 
They are fun. All right, Eric. Uh, cool, on behalf man. of myself, all of our listeners, and Tim, I bid you adieu. And uh, want to make sure everyone remembers... It's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, go to go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account, that's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input, so hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>